There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Time Studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho, and I'm happy to be here. I have a, a great episode for you that actually we're going to be recording as we go. So this is not like a pre-recorded interview like I usually do. What we're going to be doing is I'm going to be calling... Um, Either they're past guests or they're listeners on the show or uh, folks that you may not know about or never have heard of. And we're going to be kind of recapping their elk season real quick. They're going to be telling the story of how they called in a bowl in September and got it done. And the reason is, is because we're going to get the kind of details that are often missed in like when we're on a School of September podcast or or you know, uh, a bunch of experts talking about elk hunting and things like that. I want to I want to get those details that are often missed. And so we're going to do that before I make the first call. Um, there's a there's a few uh, announcements I need to make. First of all, I need to make a correction from the last episode. <laughs> so I was announcing and I was talking about how um, my wife and I, we got this new puppy and um, I'm recording in my hunting trailer and my blinds were open and as I was telling you guys the puppy's name, my cat, one of our cats, we've got three cats, which you, when you live in the woods and you're homesteading, you, you really need cats, right? They take care of the mice for the most part. There, we, we do have one rogue mouse. We're uh, I'm pretty sure that mouse is a communist. We're going to get it. But uh, anyways, my cat, Hank, who is my favorite cat, he's this big white bastard, and and he's he's a great hunter. Um, anyways, he's he's walking by the window as I'm talking about this new puppy, and so I called him Hank, but my dog's name is not Hank. Uh, the new puppy's name is Wyatt, and so I just wanted to make that correction because I, <laughs> I was up hunting, and I re-listened to that episode, and I'm like, uh, I, I heard myself say, oh yeah, our new puppy's name is Hank, and I'm like, what? Why did I say that? Anyway, I remember now, I, I was looking at Hank walking by, hopefully uh, going off to get a mouse, so so there's that announcement. The second announcement I need to make is in regards to the scheduling this fall of the podcast, because uh, if you guys have noticed, it's been a little bit uh, light on the episodes being released, and, and that's for a few different reasons. And and what I want to do is instead of trying to struggle and keep up with the schedule that I've been doing while it is hunting season, what, I'm, what we're going to do from now until December 1 is we're going to bump episodes back to once every two weeks, unless I could find other ways to fill in the episodes. So what's going on, guys, is um, if you've been listening to the show, you know darn well that I moved my family out onto bare land. We've got 26 acres in the woods out here in North Idaho, 
and it is our homestead. And when you live on a homestead in North Idaho, you have two seasons. You have winter and you have preparing for winter. So I have, I am in the preparing for winter stage on this homestead. And then that is compounded by the fact that it's also hunting season. And so, um, I'm getting really stressed out about uh, how often I'm getting shows released and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm going to take that burden off of my shoulders for the next two months uh, and and only release episodes every two weeks instead of every week. Again, if if things change or if I'm able to get more guests, because the other problem is, is this is a hunting podcast. And many of my guests that I have lined up are really hard to track down because they're off in the woods hunting. Right. And that's what we want. And I, I hope you guys are out hunting, but but that's that's compounding the issue. So I've got I've got a homestead. I'm getting ready for winter. I'm also trying to get a deer and an elk and a, and a and a bear and and all sorts of other things down. I've got a lot of big hunting plans this fall, and so I'm trying to work that around getting these podcasts out while at the same time the guests that I normally have coming on the show they're all out busy hunting so it's just it's a hard time of year and i hope you guys bear with me on that but it's gonna it's gonna really relieve the burden on my uh, my shoulders with this and i don't want anybody to take it the wrong way i love doing the podcast it's my it's one of my favorite things to do with the exception of actively hunting it's one of my favorite things to do is doing this podcast and so we're gonna kick the episodes back up to a weekly show uh come december 1st and uh, as soon as December hits, we'll be back to our normal schedule. But uh, in the meantime, um, I hope you guys are good with that. I'm just going to release them every two weeks and uh, and try to try to just keep up with everything. I've got like several cords of wood I've got to cut. I've got a well coming in. I've got a septic to deal with. I've got all the all these things that I'm dealing with on the homestead. So it's going to really help out. So I appreciate you guys bearing with me. Um, okay, so that takes care of that. The third announcement that I need to make real quick is our winner for the Tacticam um, giveaway. If you guys were paying attention on our Instagram and Facebook and all our social media pages, we were gonna we were doing an Instagram or I'm sorry a, a, a Spotter LR giveaway. So the Spotter LR is something that attaches to your scope. And that will film what you are scouting. And so the idea was when I had Rudy Nunez on. Uh, from Tacticam, we were like, you know, if, if people just take their phone or whatever and film us, I'm sorry, film yourself out actively scouting over the summer and through September, and it didn't matter what you were hunting for or scouting for, just uh, give us an update. And what I would do is uh, I'd watch that video and I'd put it all into our randomizer here and draw a winner for a Spotter LR. And keep in mind, those Spotter LRs are pretty uh, pricey pieces of equipment. So this is a great giveaway. Thanks to Tacticam for, for doing that for us. So I do have a winner. And the winner is, out of Montana, Ryan Gillette. Ryan Gillette, I drew your name. You, sir, sent in a video on August 28th, 2021. And you are the winner. So, Ryan Gillette, the same email that you submitted the video to, I need you to send me an email with your mailing address. And I'm going to get this Spotter LR from Tacticam out to you. This is an awesome piece of equipment. It is super helpful when you guys are out scouting and you're able to film what you're seeing. Because then you could take that data and that footage home and kind of analyze it. So, um, again, congratulations to Ryan Gillette. You are the winner. We do have one more giveaway coming up on the next episode, and that's for the Phelps Game Call Package giveaway. 
Um, and that is going to be perfect for whoever wins that. Uh, you have basically like an entire year to practice on those calls before September hits us again. So keep uh, the, the the deadline to submit those forms, or I'm sorry, those videos are are done, but that was along the same lines where you submit a video of you bugling in the woods, whether you're hunting or not. You get one point or one entry for just doing that. You'd get a second in, uh, an additional entry if uh, you got a bugle back and you get three entries if you actually killed that bull. <laughs> so it was, it was quite a bit of fun. Between these two uh, giveaways, we got a lot of submissions. I was actually really surprised. Uh, I found myself watching a lot of video clips uh, over the last month or so of all these submissions. So congratulations. Thanks to everybody who entered. Uh, we've got plenty more giveaways to go around. So uh, if you didn't win, don't stress out. Ryan Gillette, I am waiting for your email. G- uh, Jim at the westernhuntsman.com. Send me an email with your mailing address. Jim at the westernhuntsman.com. Congratulations, my friend. Okay, with that, let's go ahead and uh, get into this with uh, some of our successful September elk hunters. And let me throw a quick shout out to those who make this show possible, which is Scree Gear. Uh, guys, go to ScreeGear.com if you want some high quality Scree uh, camo, hunting attire, hunting apparel. Um, it's going to be the kind that will perform as well as some of the big dogs out there without the big dog expense. And use promo code The Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. That's a hell of a deal. Uh, it's great gear. I've been using it now. This is my, uh, what, third fall going into with, with the Scree or second? I can't remember. Uh, but I love it. And and I put it through hell this last September. It, it's it's just great gear. Um, <laughs> you know a funny story. Well, actually, I'll tell that later. Um, anyways, go to ScreeGear.com and check it out. Use promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. Um, Hoffman Boots. Guys, I am on... Um, my, my second pair of Hoffman boots, but this this pair I've been working the last couple of seasons is just amazing. I, I flat out, I ended up, Onyx kind of lied to me. <laughs> I came out of this drainage, and there's a creek there. And this, uh, this creek, I had to cross it to get back to my truck. And I was several miles in, and I was just worn out. And anyway, I just said, screw it. And I walked right through this creek. wasn't that deep. Um, they're so waterproof. My, my socks weren't even wet when I got back to the truck. I, and... Uh, these boots just they just glue your feet to the mountains. They're awesome boots. Go to HoffmanBoots.com. Use promo code Huntsman10 for 10% off. Huntsman10 is all caps lock, lock by the way. Um, Phelps Game Calls, the oldest sponsor on the show. You guys know I'm a huge fan of Phelps Game Calls. Uh, don't go into the field without your Phelps stuff. I've seen a lot of you out there with some competing brands. We're going to have to have a talking to. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. But uh, you should. If you're in the market, you should check out Phelps Game Calls. Uh, they've got the best stuff out there. It really is. It's got the best warranties, um, a great customer service. This stuff is all just made right here in America. I, I love these products. Uh, go out and uh, check out PhelpsGameCalls.com. Use promo code Huntsman10 for 10% off. Last but not least, Tacticam. Get your Tacticam gear at TheWesternHuntsman.com forward slash gear portion of that goes towards uh, conservation and fighting against the anti-hunting movement. By the way, with that uh, Tacticam, I, what I was doing is, which was really funny, I actually got my bow caught up in uh, one of my Tacticam cameras. It was, it was on my shoulder strap, and I, I must have bumped it because it was way down, so I was drawn back on this bowl, and, and my, my bow got caught up in the, in the camera. I've got it on film. I had to put it out on uh, social media, but um, 
the uh, the the TactiCam 5.0 is what I was using for that, and it gets great footage. You can I've, I'm filming this elk, this cow. She's like kind of chewing on some um, some brush near me. Uh, I don't know, maybe 20 yards away from me. She didn't know I was there, and I'm just sitting there filming her. And you could the the sound, which is what blows my mind with the TactiCam, those little POV cameras, blows my mind because you could hear her chewing, and she's she's 20 yards away. And you know how quiet they are. If you've ever hunted elk, you know how quiet they are. Anyway, great camera, great audio, great uh, video, 4K footage. Um, Get it all at thewesternhuntsman.com forward slash gear. And you can also get that spotter LR that was there. I should have the Reveal X cameras, the cellular uh, trail cameras. They should be here this week, so I'll let you guys know with that. All right, guys, let's get into it with our first call here. The first one on deck tonight is Kevin Bunce. And Kevin is somebody I've been, I've never met him in person, but he has, um, I've been kind of friends with him on, on social media for a long time. There we go. It's ringing. And uh, he always gets it done. He's a great bear hunter. Great bear hunter. Hey, Kevin. Kevin. Jim hey, Huntsman. How, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. We are uh, actively recording right now. How, how, how are things, man? It's, you know, we, you and I have never actually talked. I, I have actually met you at an elk calling seminar, I believe, that you hosted a couple years ago. Oh, was with, that? Um, were you Michael there? Uh huh. On that yep. one, were you one of the guys that was wearing the higher calling outdoors T-shirts? That's correct. Okay. Yep. Okay, I remember. So my bad. We have met. <laughs> yep, we have met. Well, no well, worries. That was a few years back. It was a few years ago. We need to do another one of those, man. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. They're yeah. always good to learn from different people and. And, you know, when you think you got it figured out, you probably don't, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, well, I have never thought that I have elk hunting figured out. <laughs> because, and, I, and it's proven to me every year, man. <laughs> yeah, So it's tough. Well, I appreciate you coming on. The idea, you and I were talking. Um, the idea with this episode is I'm calling a few different guys that uh, were able to notch a tag and put it on an elk this year. And kind of give us the gist of what happened uh, to the point in which, you know, the idea is, is is we're learning the little details that people don't normally learn on like a podcast or on YouTube or or whatever. And yeah. um, that said, I was I was hoping and I'm, I'm trying to get you to commit on air, as you can you can see here. Um, <laughs> I'd love to get you on the show uh, for a full episode at some point. You you up for that? I'd be that'd be totally down for that. Okay. Awesome. Where are you at? You're down in Post Falls or where are you? I'm at? in Post Falls. Yep. Oh, okay. Lived okay. here for 20 years. Yep. Good deal. And so obviously the elk you got this year, because uh, you seem to get one pretty much every year, um, was in <laughs> Idaho. And it was in Idaho. you were yep. hunting the panhandle? Hunting the panhandle. Good deal. Yep. Uh, coordinates to where? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Kind it's, of uh, 46.notellum. <laughs> uh, fair enough. All right. So I, what I want, what I wanted to do is kind of start this with like some lightning round questions real quick. Sure. Um, and then I, I, I was hoping you could just kind of share the story. Um, yeah, absolutely. Tell us. Okay. So we, we, we achieved that you're in Idaho. Um, That's what, what day of September was it? It was actually not in September, so first time I've ever hunted in August. Uh, I killed him on opening day, August 30th. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. So you, yeah. you got one down. So for those of you listening that don't know, 
up here in the panhandle of Idaho for years and years and years, archery elk didn't start until September 6th, give or take. And this year was the first year they let us bump it forward, uh, or they, they bumped it forward to where it opened on August 30. So I went out and I, I heard crickets on August 30th. Um, now I did almost kill a bull on like September 3rd. They were, they were screaming pretty good. Uh, so I know the, the, the next question, I know the answer to this then it was not a full moon, right? <laughs> it was not a full moon. Nope. <laughs> Do you have an opinion on a full moon hunting elk? Um, I actually don't mind, uh, full moon hunting. I feel there's a lot of opportunity midday to catch bulls, um, in the middle of the day that maybe mess up by bugling when maybe they wouldn't want to gives you a location on them and then you can make a play. Hmm. And, and we, we kill a lot of our, we were actually kind of talking about that this year that we've only killed three elk before like 9am. The rest of them come after 10am. So you are on board with this whole what what uh, I, well I, I don't want to say I dubbed it my my buddy Dirk dubbed it the midday madness thing. There there is there is truth to that. Now we are not about sleeping in and having breakfast and getting after it at 9 a.m. We we want to locate early if we can. I believe that there's bulls that'll pipe off right at first light and may not ever make another peep. It gives you an idea which way to go. Mm-hmm. But midday madness is is the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of midday madness, but I'm I'm with you. I don't I don't like to, you know, it's not about sleeping in and then getting out there. Um, but uh, they do they do get fired up that that midday that I don't know like ten to two for for me. Yeah. Um, and so did you call this bull in? I actually didn't call the bull in. My hunting buddy Cheyenne, uh, awesome caller. Um, he was caller that day. I was shooter. Okay. And um kind of a long story with that. Cheyenne likes to call. He's a good caller. He calls in a lot of bulls. I mean, he, out of the three of us, probably if you were to ask us and not be a competitive, he calls in more bulls than, than Greg or I. And he's just, he's just good at it. And he's, he called him in, not one cow call. What, what do you think, what do you think makes him good at it? Like what I like to get everybody's take as to what makes a good elk caller. I think that, Elk are really trying to communicate their emotions through their their bugling, even cows through their cow calling. And when you can communicate that back by feel, a lot of guys are really good at feeling that bull's emotions and knowing they just have this knack for responding in just the right tone or just the right duration of a bugle that gets that bull to commit. And Shines has got a knack for that. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would totally agree with that, <laughs> to, that, that emotion. Um, okay. So I, I kind of want you to walk us through, tell us, you, you know, you guys, you guys, uh, take us through your day up into the point where you, you put an arrow into that bowl. So we, we were backpacked in about two and a half miles. Um, it's, it's one of our favorite spots. It typically holds a fair amount of elk. A lot of bulls in there. We've never been in there that early in the year. We have been in there scouting in late August and had them bugle back at us at first light. We got up early before dawn, just like every other elk hunting morning. Um, we ripped off some bugles, didn't hear anything, got up onto a vantage point to get a little more distance out of our calling. 
Um, we actually did what we would call advertising, um, something that we learned from uh, the ElkNet, Paul Medell, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. where we basically just bugle and rake. Um, it kind of in the early stages of the season, you can get mature bulls and even other satellites and whatnot to, they want to come look at you. They've never heard your bugle before. They want to come check you out. And so our first setup, I believe, was somewhere around where we set up and just did some bugling for 15 minutes off and on to let a bull make his way to us. And we called a bull in. Um, we didn't actually lay eyes on him. He, we did the whole, like, call, okay, nothing happened. We get ready to leave, and he storms off. And yeah. uh, so it was one of those, you know, you just hear the you hear the elk kind of rumble off from 40 yards away. It's like, oh, he was right there. How did he sneak in so close? And uh, <laughs> so that was our first setup, and we didn't we didn't hear any bugling at all. And we um, we kind of had an idea, destination in mind. We know where you know we have trail cameras down in there. We run quite a bit, and we had an idea where the elk were hanging. And so we started working our way that way, just kind of side hilling through the drainages. Um, we got to the next drainage, uh, did another advertising setup where we basically just, you know, rake and bugle, kind of ramp it up and see if you can get some bulls to pipe off. So and on, can, let, let me, I, I don't mean to cut you off right there, but I, I have a question about this. Um, you're, you're setting up to do like this advertising bugle or sequence or whatever you call it. Um, is there something terrain feature wise that you're looking for that you do that in or, or what is indicating to you guys that this is a spot to do this advertising in? So early season, it wasn't, we had never really been on this route that we were taking. Um, we, like I said, we had a destination of mine. We kind of had an area where we know the elk hang year after year. We were headed that direction, but we also know the elk hang where we were at too. And so when I say hang, meaning like you're going to see sign and beat down trails and, Mm-hmm. maybe a maybe a fresh rub from a raghorn or something like that and so we were just kind of setting up on each of the little finger ridges as we made our way through the drainage and so we we would get you know side hill around to a drainage um get pop up on the ridge and we would set up there um generally we're trying to put the collar back where he can't be seen where an elk has to commit so that in like our first setup um that elk we've kind of figured out was able to see down to where the collar was and that just prevented him from closing the distance that we really needed to possibly get a shot at him. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So you, you start doing that. And yeah, so on, our, on, our, on our second setup, we we heard two distant bugles. And when I say distant, meaning like, you know, you kind of wave your hand and they're like, they're down there somewhere, right? And yeah. uh, we, we knew, we knew there were more than – yeah. <laughs> We knew there were more than 400 yards away, uh, maybe less than a mile. We, we didn't really know. We just knew that they were kind of somewhere down that way, kind of in the area that we were headed. And so we decided to kind of close that distance pretty quick. At this point, it's probably 9.30 or so in the morning. We decided to close that distance down and get a couple ridges down um, to get really a little better idea where those where those bulls were. And so we... We worked our way around there. Of course, you're hunting, so you can't just like blow through areas because you should never run past elk to get to another one, you know. But we we worked fairly quickly over to that that next ridge, and um, Cheyenne bugled from there, and there was two or three bulls that answered. Two very much like, "Hey, I'm over here," and one that was very much we identified him as that's our target. Mature sounding bugle back. He responded right away. 
Um, we knew that it was, you know, approaching that midday madness point of the day where we're going to catch him bedded down and we were getting ready to kind of make our plan because he was a jaunt, a little bit of a jaunt away from us still. Gotcha. Gotcha. And when, when you say he answered back, was he answering back like just rabid mad or was he kind of, you know, uh, just, just letting you know he was there? At first it was just like his first bugle back was like kind of a, you know, Mm -hmm. and he kind of, he didn't really have any enthusiasm behind it, but you could definitely tell with the throatiness at the end that he was, he was a bull that we wanted to put our eyes on. If we could, if we could call him in, we wanted to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, It's kind of really the first time that I had set out on an elk season with like trying to really identify target bugle. Like that's a bull. I want to, I want to see, I want to put my eyes on him. Um, I've been trying to kill six by six for quite a few years now and I'd never done it. And part of that's because I never went, went about that approach. Yeah. Yeah. Trying yeah. To, trying to target a bull. Yeah. And you're talking about that real throaty, almost, you know, I, I heard, I heard one on this wallow this year that, I mean, it sounded like a lion roaring, right? Yeah. You, you know, that just real deep throaty yeah. and the, the whistles in there, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> really what you're hearing is the roar and, and it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so then he works his way into you. Yeah. So we, um, we, we had, we were a ways away from him. When I say ways, we're about 800 yards. So we kind of looked across, looked across the, um, draw there and we're like, he's over there. So we got to go down through some pretty, it's big country. We got to go down through, um, a Creek bottom, work our way up to the other side to basically make a play. We're anticipating what's the wind going to do over there. We're, we're thinking he's not moving. That was our initial thought. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost 10 AM. He's probably doesn't have cows yet. He's probably not moving, but we wanted to make a play on him. And there was two other bulls like in proximity to him. And so we knew that if we worked our way up there, we, if that didn't work out, we'd at least have some other bulls to make a play on. And so we kind of moved down closer to him. I would say we probably went two or 300 yards and, um, Cheyenne said, Hey, let, let me just bugle one more time. Let me see if I can get him to pipe off because we kind of had a little bit of difference. in when he bugled back the last time, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll try to on onyx, we'll try to put a pin where we think we think that bull is. Yeah. And then we'll compare that to our buddies. We're like, I think he's here. Right. And we'll look and we're like, Oh, a lot of times we're really close, man. I and, hope you guys listening. I hope you got that. I hope you got that. When you hear a bugle, Pull out your onyx and put a pin as to where you think it. That, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up, Kevin. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it has that has that little feature where you can point your phone, you know. And so I yep. usually, when I hear that bull respond, I try to go. He's right there, and I point right at that spot. I don't take my eyes off it. I get my onyx out. I dial it up so my phone's pointing right at it, and then I go, okay, there's probably a little bench right there. He's right there. Yep. And yep. so Cheyenne and I, we just wanted to kind of get. We were a little bit we were probably 150 yards apart on our initial pins on that bowl. And so he's like, let me, let me just bugle and see if he, if I can get him to pipe off one more time before we drop the 500 foot elevation and climb up the other side and make this half mile jaunt over to him. We knew it was going to take an hour or two. And yeah. so, uh, Cheyenne rips a bugle and I kid you not, that bowl answers on our side of the drainage across on the little finger there's a little finger right next to us oh, man. and he answered answered on our side so in that 
15 minutes or whatever. Um, I think we stopped and ate like a granola bar or something there. Knowing that he's, our thought is he's not going anywhere. There's no urgency to his bugle. Sure. Yeah. That's a normal, um, normal thought. Yeah. And so we're going to go over there. We're going to have our little 10 or 11 a.m. rendezvous with this guy. And he changed our plans really quickly. And he bugled. Um, when Cheyenne bugled, he, he pretty much did what I would consider. I, he stomped him. Uh, this bull stomped Cheyenne. He basically was like, I'm the bull. And I'm coming up there and I'm going to see what you look like. <laughs> there, <laughs> and, there, and it was, and it was not like the bugles he had done earlier. It was definitely that throatiness that we were, that we were wanting to hear. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was definitely, uh, I, I'm over here now <laughs> and you, you Jeez. should know that. Right. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. So then what happens? So Cheyenne, um, he, we were kind of on like a pencil finger, meaning like it was really vertical at the top of it. Um, and so he kind of just rolled back into some brush and then I dropped over closer to the bull. I moved up probably 40 or 50 yards closer to the bull, kind of identified a couple shooting lanes. Um, Cheyenne just starts, starts to sing, not one cow call. Basically we felt that bull was coming over, responding to our advertising. He'd never heard this bull before. He probably thought I'm the biggest guy in town. We should meet and let's compare antlers. Right. And so, sure. Um, Cheyenne just starts bugling. This bull starts responding. Um, I caught a glimpse of him down through the timber at about a hundred yards or so. Um, I thought he was going to just come straight up the, straight up the, the little shoot there. There was like kind of a little cut there, a little tiny mini, little mini, mini draw that we were kind of standing on. Mm-hmm. I lost sight of him. He started raking down there, bugled back a couple times. This went on for, you know, four or five minutes. Cheyenne bugled and that bull answered back. He had kind of wrapped around the main part of the ridge. And so uh, me and Greg, who was the cameraman that day, we just booked it over to cut him off because we knew, you know, elk hunting enough that bulls that he's coming, you know, we would, we would dub it the term he's coming. Right. And so we already knew he was, but we definitely knew he was because he had closed that distance. We had, because we had lost sight of him. We didn't really know where he was, couldn't hear him. All of a sudden he bugled, he's much closer, he's coming up the main the main part of the ridge. And so we whipped over there, probably moved up forty or fifty yards, cut him off. I got there about ten seconds before he popped out into the opening. So it was it was important to move quickly and not not waste time. Got there. Um he kind of caught me in a situation where he popped out. Um I saw him looking straight up the hill. He bugled very much like I'm coming up there to whip your butt. <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was awesome. You know, and I got, I got my first look at him and I knew right away that it was a bull that I put my tag on, you know, oh, and I, right I knew, right. I knew, I knew, I knew he turned his head slightly and I knew he was going to be a six by six and, uh, not that a trophy bull is what, what the hunt's about, but I really had just kind of set a goal a couple years ago of really trying to put my tag on a mature, North Idaho bull. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, there's nothing wrong with shooting a spike, and there's nothing wrong with setting a goal to get a six by six. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, yeah. people get a little worked up about that. So, uh, <laughs> but but I'm the same way, man. I but I I put a time frame on it. Like, if if it's sure. the first week and I can pass on a spike to maybe get a six by, I'm gonna do that. After that, I'm taking the first you know thing with the antlers <laughs> for for me. But yeah. I'm not I'm not that great of a hunter. So yeah, uh, that, that's why that's why I do it that way. How far was he when he shot him? Um, so 
when I first laid eyes on him, he was about, he was about 60 or 70 yards away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, him and Cheyenne shared a couple bugles back and forth there. Um, he started coming, there was a group of, uh, big chunk of brush there where he was, it was actually fairly open terrain where he was coming up. Cheyenne was only because of the way I had to cut this bull off. Cheyenne was only probably maybe 15 or 20 yards away from me calling. And he was just like tucked into this chunk of North Idaho brush where I couldn't see him, you know? And, uh, and so that bull came up. Um, he kind of came up frontal at about 20 yards and, um, I just was in a position where I'll be honest with you. I was shaking so bad that I didn't get my bow drawn back. Yeah. <laughs> and my hunt, my hunt buddies nicknamed me full draw Freddy because I'm like, I go to full draw as soon as I think that an opportunity's coming. And I couldn't, I, I was just, I wasn't quite collected enough to where I felt like, um, that I could have got my bow drawn back because I wasn't sure if he was going to pause and stay behind that brush or if he actually came out. And by the time I was ready to get that, my bow drawn back, it just didn't quite happen. Caught me there at frontal 20 yards. Um, he bugled Cheyenne, uh, bugled, bugled. Actually, I don't think he bugled right there. He came up, Cheyenne was Cheyenne bugled. That bull looked right at him and he was kind of looking at me. Um, I think probably cause I was shaking so bad and <laughs> as he sees my bow shaking, he's like, what's that shiny thing up there, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and Cheyenne bugles at him and he turned and looked, I mean, I, I'll never forget that look. He was like, okay, I'm coming up there. I've heard enough of you. And he just turned, came across broadside at 24 yards. And that second opportunity to draw my bow back, he went behind two trees. I got my boat on back as soon as his head went behind there. He came out of that opening. He actually stopped on his own before I could cow call. I put my pin on on his vitals and sent it on its way. And uh, that thwack at the end of that is a beautiful sound. You oh, see a big man. bull like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Congratulations, man. That is such an awesome – like just the whole – story as to how you got there and opening day of all things is yeah. crazy to me like you just don't yeah. think of bulls bugling and but it makes sense because they're they're in that pre-rut stage you know they're they're kind of checking each other out they're not they're not defending cows yet they're they're just they're 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 creating like this pecking order and and that that couldn't have played out better man i just i love hearing this stuff uh so how far was the tracking job he went about um, 150 yards or so, and uh, it's real steep country, so he was able to probably, you know, take a couple steps and get half of that distance down. But mm-hmm. um, we, we of course, were filming it. We got it all on video. We reviewed the shot. Um, he was slightly quarter to me, and, and I'm okay with that shot. He wasn't hard quarter to, wasn't a frontal or anything like that. Yeah. Um, he was a slightly, he was not what I would say he's broadside. And I knew that when I, when I shot him, my arrow was a little high and we saw that on the video. Um, so we opted to give him about two hours and, um, we actually waited about an hour and a half. And then by the time, you know, we, we finished the tracking job, it is about two hours from the time I shot him. So it was shot him at 1230 PM and, uh, we got to him about 2:30. And so I would say probably about a hundred yards into that tracking job, the blood kind of got really sparse and there was a moment there of doubting my broad head, (laughs) doubting, doubting my shot. We actually stopped and reviewed the footage a little bit more detailed and it's really hard on a three inch viewfinder, you know, on these cameras, but we reviewed it over and over and over again. We, we decided that it just looked like a double lung shot and because of the height of that, 
cavity and on the steep terrain that it should have been good, you know? And so we just continued to follow his tracks and we were having like a small speck of blood, maybe every 10 yards. He got down to the Creek bottom. Um, we crossed over and I remember just that feeling of like, please God don't go uphill because I know if he's going uphill, it's, it's not a good thing. And he kind of started on this trail that was a side hill and around that other finger. And I heard Greg say, Hey buddy, you just keep walking down that trail right there. And I turned <laughs> around and I turned around and he had the camera on me and he had that look in, on his face and I knew that he could see him. And I, I just went up there and I saw him, you know, laid over there on the ground next to some timber and a bunch of brush. That was an awesome. Moment. What, what does that feel like to you when, when you, when you realize, you know, there's, there's always this intense or, or this just moment of intensity when you're tracking, like, am I going to find this bull? Was my shot yeah. good? Did I, did I actually get him where I wanted or, or is this sucker still alive and he's out there bugling at somebody else right now? You know, I, cause I, I've been there so many times where it's, yeah. it's just like that. It's so intense. What it does is. that feel like to you when, when you, know, you really... actually lay <laughs> eyes on this bull? I really love the, the tracking jobs where the bull tips over right in front of you. I just want to say that first. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, this was not one of those. And so there was definitely, um, you know, elk, elk hunting is, is such hard work and there's so much that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And that moment of when Greg said, you just, you just keep following that trail, buddy, and it's going to take you where you want to go. And I just remember kind of popping back up on the actual main trail. I was on its tracks and I popped up on that main trail and I looked down there and I saw can and antlers and just the thought of it's real. It's over. Um, there he is, the big, the, the big bull down texts are going to fly when I get back to town and <laughs> tell telling my wife to turn on the cooler because we're going to bring this, this guy home. Um, it was just a, it's just a bittersweet, it's emotional. Um, you know, there's just so much, um, there was a lot of, you know, tears of joy and excitement and elation at the, at the magnitude of the bull. He was, he's just a stud, you know, is there any level of, I mean, regret is totally the wrong word to use, but I don't know what else to use here with it, with you're standing there and it's August 30th. You've got the entire month of September (laughs) in front of you. Is 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 there any hesitation or or feeling of, uh, you know, oh man, my hunt is over for me. I, my hunt is over. Or or are you one of those guys that you? Because I know you have this really tight hunting group. So if it's if somebody in your group still hasn't notched a tag, hunting is, is like still on for you guys, right? It, I mean, yep, how, it's still it's, on. Describe that. It, so that day, um, none of that even <laughs> played a part in that. I was, when I walked up on that bowl, I just couldn't believe how big his body was. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe how, how big his antlers were. I just was just so, I just never been there before. Yeah. Um, my hunting partners have shot big bulls, but I, it was prior to me hunting with them. And so I just didn't know what that what that was like, you know, and I've shot several five by fives, you know, I've shot some mature bulls, but not, not a bull of that magnitude. And, um, so I wasn't thinking about that at all. Now the next day, as we started making the, the trek out, um, to get this bull out of this Canyon, um, the realization that, uh, I wasn't even going to get to be caller because if I'm caller, there's a possibility you call a bull into yourself. 
Sure. So the caller really needs to be a guy with a tag that I wasn't even going to get to be caller. And I was like, man, that's kind of, that's kind of lame. You know, I'm cameraman and that's it. I got to wait for someone to punch a tag before Kevin gets to be caller again. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that kind of, that kind of started to set in that, um, you know, and it was a grind. I'm not going to lie. It was, you know, my tags punched, um, my, my hunting partners, you know, and they're, they're hard elk hunters. I mean, they just, they just, they grind it out. And, um, just being the cameraman is, is something that was just very unique for my season. Um, I enjoyed it. I love being right in the hip pocket of the shooter because I have no pressure. Yeah. My only pressure is don't move and screw this up. Right. <laughs> make sure, make sure the cameras. I'd be a terrible cameraman, yeah. man. Cause I'm terrible with technology. <laughs> it's but, just hard to not watch the hunt with your eyes. You got to watch it with the camera. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, Kevin, this is, um, I, I know this is short, uh, but I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing that story. Um, yeah. it, it's, it was fun watching you kind of, cause again, we're, we're friends on social media and I kind of follow along yeah. and see what you guys are doing. Um, I'd, I really genuinely want to get you back on the show for a full, I mean, you're like a legitimate bear hunter, uh, elk hunter. Like I, I need to get you back on for, for your own episode. So, (laughs) um, let's, let's plan on that. Like towards the end of October or beginning of November, get you back on and you can tell us about higher calling adventures or or outdoors. What, what is it called? Higher calling adventures, higher calling adventures. Yeah. I I want to learn more about that. Um, that'd be awesome. But I need to I need to get back to the to the next guy and sure uh, absolutely th- congratulations on on the bowl uh, it 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 really hit more home to me because you're a fellow North Idahoan hunting these treacherous jungles of <laughs> of the Idaho Panhandle and I know how tough it is and and when you get a it big mature tough. bowl down like that I mean it says a lot so um great job man great job Thank I appreciate you. you Thank you appreciate so, you having me on Jim. Love your show. You bet. I appreciate it, man. Th- thanks for the kind words, buddy. Um, let, okay. I'm gonna uh, as soon as I'm done recording, I'm gonna send you a message so we could set up a, a, a full episode. That'd be awesome. All right, sounds good. Okay. Thanks again, All Kevin. Right. Have a great. All right, you're one. welcome. You too. Bye bye. All right, bye bye. So guys, there you have it with uh, with Kevin Bunts. Um, great story, man. That it was a it was a great story. He's such a good hunter. He's a solid hunter. The kind of hunter that just it like he gets it done every year. Um, and I, I, I've, I've, like I said, I've been watching him for a long time and, and, uh, I just, I know those guys, they're, they're all hardworking hunters. Uh, so next on the docket is Jake Smith. Jake is somebody I've never met. Um, and he started by telling me that he's got a few grizzly encounters, uh, before he got his elk. And so I, I want to, I want to talk to him. I'm not sure where he's at. We're going to find out right now. Let's go ahead and give him a call. Uh, again, this this is Jake Smith. Let's uh, hopefully I, I'm hoping everybody answers. By the way, while we get this thing going. <laughs> Hello, Jake. Hey, how's it going? Good man. How you doing? Good. So uh, I don't know if you know this is this is Jim Huntsman with the Western Huntsman, and uh, you are you are recording, man. You are on air. Sweet. You're not nervous, right? Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> well, don't be. This is uh, it, it was it was kind of cool the way it's really hard to coordinate all these different hunters to come on the show at like the same time, um, and so this this worked out. Uh, I feel bad that it's later than uh, what because I I think you're on what mountain time? Yeah, I'm on mountain time. I'm down in Idaho Falls. Oh, you're in Idaho Falls. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
All right. So uh, I was just down in that neck of the woods not not very long ago. That that's that explains why you've had a grizzly encounter. Yeah. Um, so so Jake. Uh, Again, I, I don't don't be nervous, man. We're just talking hunting. Um, <laughs> yep. Give us a little bit uh, of a synopsis of uh, kind of. I, I obviously we don't want general areas. We just want give us a bird's eye view of what state you were hunting in and uh, what day of the month it was when you actually arrowed the elk, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, so I'm hunting in, I'll say southern Idaho. Mm-hmm. And I arrowed the elk on September 15th. Okay. Okay, so mid-month. Yeah. And did you call the bull in? Or did you have a caller? I, I, I was out solo by myself with my pack goats. Okay. This is where, and this is why I wanted to get you on, because this is where it's going to get interesting. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your pack goats real quick, man. Okay, so I just started into the, the whole pack goat thing. I picked up three kids back in March. And for those that don't know, what is a kid? Uh, it's just a baby goat. Okay. They're little. They were all three of them were little bucklings. Okay. And is was the motivation to get these goats was was that for hunting? Yes. So a lot so, of. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. So I guess I sh- I'll go into the reason of why I picked pack goats. So I. I broke my leg a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and so I know my days are limited on packing out elk by myself, and I wanted to pick up an animal that my wife could take care of while I'm away for work. So the pack coats seemed like the easiest option to have something that's not too much work to put in, but we could get it a lot out of um, when they're actually being able to pack out mm-hmm. and, old, and old enough. How old do they have to be to pack? Uh, you can put a little bit on them once they're a year and a half, but you can you can put about to thirty percent of their body weight once they're about three years old. Okay, okay, and so you broke your leg. And Jake, what do you do for a day job? Uh, I'm a fuel truck driver. Okay, I I think it's it's. Uh, I, I got so wrapped up in that last conversation, we, we should probably back up a little bit. Jake and I have never met. Um, I, I I think that uh, I'd, I'd love to hear this story that, that you, you broke your leg and you're, you're basically implying that it is like this permanent damage to your leg that's going to affect you long term. Well, I'm, I'm just definitely not where I was prior to breaking my leg. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I'm not where I was prior to me getting fat. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. So, uh how old are you, Jake? I am 34. 34. Okay. I love this pack goat idea, man. Um because it, like you said it's it, the the goats can be like this animal that could be a family pet, you know, in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. Uh you, you know, um and and they can they can help around the house, especially like where I live. I'm you know I'm homesteading out here in the in the woods, um, and and then you could take them elk hunting. How does that work logistically when you when you take them out? Do they you just like they just follow you or or what happens? Yeah, yeah. So well, I, I transport them. I basically made a a little I call it the goat tote. So it's just a little cage <laughs> I put in the back of the truck. 
throw them in the back of the truck, um, drive up to where I'll be hunting. And then, then yeah, they're super easy. You don't have to have them on a leash or anything. They fall right behind you. And it doesn't take much to get them trained. If, as long as they're bottle fed babies and you have them from when they're really young, they'll follow you anywhere. So interestingly, I told you I was just down in Idaho Falls. I was getting a puppy, mm-hmm. a golden retriever. And he's not he he doesn't listen to me very well. He's only yeah. eleven weeks old. So these goats they behave a little better, huh? Oh yeah, they they're so much easier to walk around the neighborhood than my dogs. That's for so certain. when you're uh when you're hunting elk with these things and you're calling in elk, do, are they with you or do you like keep them at camp or something? No, they they follow along with me. And. Is there concern, like you get a bull fired up and he's coming in, that maybe he gets a visual on these goats? Or, or so, how does that work? So this was my first time with them hunting, so, and I'm pretty new at, at calling in elk because this usually the areas I, I hunt elk um, were spot and stock. Uh-huh. So uh, uh, this bull, he, was, he wasn't fired up but because he, he was a raghorn. Uh-huh. So he was when he was bugling, I thought he was another hunter because there were a bunch of out-of-state guys coming in, bugling up like crazy, and I figured it was just another another hunter. Yeah, you guys get hammered with out-of-staters down in southern Idaho, don't you? Yeah. We we yeah, got but, we actually had more up here up north this year than I've ever seen, but I still don't think it's anything like what you guys experience. Hmm. Yeah. No comment. But um, for these, uh, when when that bull was coming in, he came in silent, and he disappeared behind a ridge. So I gave him a couple cow calls and a, a, just a short bugle, because that's what he was responding to before. And he popped over a little crest of the little ridge, and he actually, my goats were feeding around me. They were only they were about twenty yards away, and this bull crested the ridge at about sixty, and he saw them. And he, it did not phase him whatsoever. Really? He kept, he kept feeding his way towards him and he didn't even, he didn't even look my way. Interesting, man. It's, this is all interesting. I, I, so I have a friend that hunts horseback with a bow. Like this guy's a regular old Comanche. And, uh, he says that because the horse is a fellow prey animal, that the elk don't have they don't pay a lot of attention to him. And so he could be on horseback and sneak right up. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. And I, I've had horses, but I, every time I hunted on them, I was, I was rifle hunting. So, um, anyway, it's a, it's an interesting concept, man. I, I really like the idea. And I'd actually, when we're not recording, you know, a quick ep, elk episode, I'd love to, I'd love to chat with you about the goats and, and, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, that it'd be it'd be something uh, because I've got a perfect area to, to take him into. Um, you mentioned before we get to the actual elk uh, story, you mentioned that you had a grizzly encounter up there. Can you yes. talk to us about that? Yeah. So I it was so I hunted three days of the first week of season. And it was I think the second day I was I was hiking out of the area back to the trailhead where I had my camper at. And I was, I was kind of bushwhacking through this area and I seen some crows up, up on a tree. So I figured something was probably dead. 
So I went back, circled back around, went to the trail. And as I was coming down, kind of where those crows were at, uh-huh. this, it was a, this grizzly comes charging out of the hill um, down to the trail. He wasn't charging at me. He was, it looks like he was trying to go in front of me across the trail. He was about 30 yards away from me. Oh, geez. And uh, so he, he just, he, he kept running. He ran across the trail, went to the other side. There was uh, some thick timber there where he stopped. He was standing up, staring at my goats. I thought I was going to have to shoot him. But luckily, I was just yelling at him, and he ended up turning and walking away. Is the area that you're hunting, is that, like, known for grizzly, or was it kind of a mm-hmm. surprise to see him? It was. It's very known for grizzly. And I, I had been uh, baiting for the spring bear season. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And it was basically in the area I was baiting at, and I had some grizzlies on camera. Oh, wow. Man, you're braver than I am, dude. I think I, I think I did have this specific grizzly on camera. Hmm. Is uh, it's so hard to tell. It, it, dude, it's way hard to tell. I've <laughs> I try to identify all these different bears on my camera so I can, you know, I can pretend like I'm a Midwesterner or something and give them all <laughs> names. Ah, that's yeah. that's fuzzy face or you know whatever. Um. But uh, yeah, they're hard to they're hard to tell. So uh, and that so the the day that that happened with the grizz, that was not the same day uh, that that you killed your elk. No, that was about I guess about two weeks before. Okay, another question on the grizzly. What do you take when you're in grizzly country to to protect yourself? Uh, so I have bear spray and then I have a Glock 20 10 millimeter. Okay. And the bullets I use for that are uh, 200 grain hard cast bullets. Ah, sweet. Okay, so you're you're on the 10 mm, uh, you know, the, the team or whatever. Because yes. I I am too. I well, I take that back. My I I want to buy a 10 mm, but I buy a lot of different weapons, and so my wife's kind of got me on a short leash with buying a new one. But that's what I'm gonna buy because <laughs> we've got grizzlies up in my neck of the woods too. But uh, I've been using a 45 ACP, and I I just feel like it's not gonna do it. I just I I don't know. I just feel like there's it's not gonna do it. But from yeah, from all the research I've seen, the 45 ACP is doesn't have enough um, penetrating. Pe- yeah, power. penetration. Too big of a bullet. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of bounces off their skull, which is going to piss them off more. And then I have to get, then I'm going to have to go fisticuffs with them. And then I'm going to work yeah. out very good for me. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. So um, we're September 15th. You're hunting solo. You've got your goats. How many goats? Four. Three. Three. You've got three goats with you. You're out there, what, beating brush and calling, or, or how's, how does this thing go down? Yeah, so he was he was bugling off in the distance a little bit, and I was headed towards an area where I know um, they bed down at. It's next to a wallow. So I was, I was calling my way towards them, mm-hmm. and then I got to where that wallow was, and I, I set up and just uh, just waited about 15 minutes. I saw him he comes slipping in silently through the timber and uh then he He's he headed towards the wallow? Yeah. I think he, well he was headed towards the last call that I made. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So that's that's an interesting point, Jake. Um what you're talking about is is you're making noise, right? You're you're calling. Mm-hmm. And you knew the wallow was there? Yeah. Okay. 
So, and I guess that's that's the point I wanted to make, especially that that mid that mid month. I um I didn't really explain this with you. Again, I I don't want to sound overly repetitive in this episode, but you know the 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 purpose of this episode is to get people on that that tagged out this year while it's still real fresh to get like these mm-hmm. these random details that will help other elk hunters in the future, right? right. And one of the things that uh that I was trying this year and it was working actually was, uh, you know, I know, I know where these wallows are and I'm just trying to kind of recreate or, or create the the idea to another bull in the area that, Hey, I'm a bull. I'm down here checking out this wallow. You, maybe you should come check it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that, is that kind of what your thought process was or were you just, you just heard him respond and, and it was conveniently right there that the wallow was there? Well, actually, so I had, I had bumped a spike off that wallow before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was, I wasn't making a lot of racket on my way in there, but I was just making some calls as I was working my way in there. Gotcha. Gotcha. But yeah. So the bull comes slipping into the wallow and you're, you're kind of hanging on it. What are the goats doing? They're just feeding pretty close to me. They don't go too far from me. Dude, did you get any of this on video with the goats? I did not. I wish <sighs> I did. I gotta check this out, man. We're gonna have. We need to talk, man. We need to talk yeah. after we're done recording. Uh, not not tonight. I know it's late down there. Um, okay. Bull comes slipping in. Uh, tell us, tell us, kind of from that point, how how it went down. Yeah. So he's he slipped behind a ridge. Um, to where I I couldn't see him. So then I gave him. Gave him a couple cow calls and a short bugle, and he came cresting that ridge. And he didn't respond me. when you when you called. He did not respond. Is that what you're saying? No, he was he was he was quiet the entire time. Gotcha. Okay. That I that I could see him. Can you describe the terrain a little bit? Is it is it high alpine? Is it is it thick coniferous? Is it like you know just dark timber kind of thing? You know. It's thick. It was thick dark timber. Okay. Okay. You got a, a few patches of meadows. Um, yeah, lots of lots of tributaries in that area. And he just comes slipping in and uh, gives you a shot, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he would. He, I probably watched him for about a minute before he gave me a quartering to fifty yard shot. Nice, so, nice shot, dude. And once once you hit him, um, how long did you wait to go go try to find him? Uh, well, I, I was pretty lucky. There was I could see him i watched him uh go down in bed about probably 50, another 50 yards from where i shot him so bedded down and then he i just watched him tumble over gotcha okay and and he was dead at that point you knew it yeah what time of day was this it, i shot him right at nine o'clock nine o'clock okay so 9 a.m um, and was, I'm drawn kind of a blank full moon. It wasn't quite a full moon yet, right? No, I think it was, it was yeah, it was it, just, I think the full moon was the 20th or 21st. I, I think so. I think it was the 21st or 22nd. It was right at that equinox time, mm-hmm. uh, this last September. But, um, so it's it the 15th, it's 9 a.m. Um, you kind of, you visually saw this bowl, uh, gave him gave him a few cow calls and a couple of bugles and he slipped in quiet on you. You nail him mm-hmm. at 50 yards. He dies 50 yards later. Yep. Anything else that you could think of that would like help uh, like a first time elk hunter out there 
kind of gather this this information in their minds so they can start putting together strategies for their upcoming hunts? Uh, I would say for this specific area, there's a lot of people that go in and just bugle and cow call their brains out, and they're not coming to that. Okay, there were they're, they're a little more being more being more subtle with your calls is is what in this area brings them in. Okay, I, hunted, I I also hunted this area last year, and I I did the same thing. Salt subtle cow calls brought in a bigger bull but he he busted me at about 100 yards oh gotcha okay uh and when you broke this bull down um how far away from the truck were you uh i was about three miles and were you able to with the goats get everything out in one load no the goats since they're six months oh, old they can't carry right? anything so I, it was all me they were they were just freeloading. They were just there for the party, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is super cool. I love that. I, I love that. You've got these goats out there with you hunting, and they just so do they. Do they get like rambunctious or uh, a little difficult to deal with when you're just sitting there on a wallow? Like, do, you know, I, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to picture this in my mind. It's awesome. I think that would depend on your goat's personality. Some mm-hmm. of them are really chill. Some of them are really loud and vocal and but won't the, shut up. Well, so. When they make noise, the, the elk don't really have any kind of negative response to that? So my, my goats aren't really that vocal. Gotcha. Unless it's in the morning and they're waiting to get their pellets. Okay. All right, man. But while they're out on the trail, they're pretty quiet. You and I are going to have a have a chat about these goats. Uh, I'm super interested in that because, you know, you broke your leg. I'm getting old, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> I it's uh the the you know a, a hind quarter on an elk is a lot of weight for a dude oh, like yeah. me, and I'm in pretty good shape. <laughs> but yeah. um, I'm just I'm just super curious about it. So by the time I got him to the three year level, I'm going to really need him. Uh, so that that's that's way interesting. Uh, no, man, I I appreciate you coming on. You got to tell me about this. Um, oh, that's what I was going to ask you. How many seasons have you been September archery elk hunting? Uh, so it's been about I think four years. Okay, is this 20... your first bull or? Uh, it's my second bull. I've gotten a a bull on the. The spike uh, rifle tags down in Utah. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're, are you from Utah? Yeah, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City area. Oh, really? So I, I, I grew up in Draper, Utah. Oh, really? I, well, I was Sandy. Oh, really? <laughs> so we were we were like neighbors, other than I'm a bit older than you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now I'm not that much older. I'm only like six years older. So. Okay. What, Did you uh, go to Alta High School? Then? You know what? I did for uh, a semester, and then they built the new Jordan High School. Uh-huh. Uh, you know the new one down on like State Street or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. When they when they finished that, uh, I transferred over to that one, and so I graduated as a Jordan beat digger. Did you go to Alta? I went for to Jordan my sophomore and junior year. And then you transferred to Alta, or 
went to well, I went to Alta my sophomore junior year. Then senior year, I went to Copper Hills. Oh, you moved out to, to or the, that area out there in Copper Hills. That's a new yeah. one too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Sweet man. Well, I didn't know that. That's uh, that's awesome. What brought you to Idaho? My dad was born and raised in Rexburg. Oh, okay. A lot of his family's up here, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny. There's like this connection, man. Um, my, my growing up, my family reunions were all in like Rigby or Rexburg or okay. all of that area. Pocatello. Mm-hmm. We we had a couple of reunions in Pocatello, so uh, we had like half our family was. In fact, it was it was perfectly split. When we had a family reunion, we'd do a softball game, and it was always Utah against Idaho, and the <laughs> Idahoans would kick our ass. And yep. so, um, no, that's interesting, man. We've, uh, we've walked the, the same, the, the same halls, yeah, huh? <laughs> yep. That's and, funny. Cause yeah. my family grew up coming up fishing up here and family reunions up here as well. That's awesome, man. And so I was the first class to start at Jordan high school when, when they, when they, that finished. And I, I still look at that high school like it's brand new, but I mean, dude, that's like, that's over 20 years ago. 20 now. years, yeah. <laughs> it's freaking crazy. Oh, yeah. So, the whole place is blown up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. I uh, There's a lot of things I loved about Utah, but the the the, the population growth down there was uh, – it killed it for us. But oh, yeah. uh, anyway, well, cool, man. Great story. Congrats on a great bowl. Um, I, I appreciate you coming on. I know this was a, a quick little segment on, a, on an episode here. Um, we'll have to get you back on for a full one at some point. Um, if, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd love to, you know, reach out to you and talk to you about those goats. It's something I've been thinking about doing for a while, uh, and not necessarily for the hunting side, but you kind of opened my eyes to that part too. Uh, so if, uh, if we could stay in touch, I'd appreciate it, man. Oh, absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on and sharing your story and keep us posted and, and, uh, we'll talk soon, brother. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Thanks, Jake. All right. Have a good night. You too. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys. So, um, yeah, that that was awesome. I, I I really Jake Smith. I didn't know we went to the same high school <laughs> prior to Colin, so that's pretty cool. I'm gonna keep in touch with him. Um, yeah, like I said, that one one of the best things about doing a podcast is is all the friends you meet out of this. Uh, that's really it is. It's it's my favorite part. Anyways, I feel like Jake and I are gonna keep in touch. Um, and uh, and build a build a relationship and a friendship out of that. So appreciate him doing that. Um, next on the docket is Reese Mertens. At Reese, I apologize if I well we're gonna get we're just gonna get him on the phone here and I'll ask him exactly how you pronounce his name because I'm not totally sure. Here we go. I've never met Reese before, by the way. Um, Hello, Reese. What's happening? Hey, this is Jim, Western Huntsman. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. Yourself? Hey, pretty good. Uh, we're recording, dude. You are uh, you are on air. We're live. I hope you have your figure on the uh, mute button when I kind of cuss <laughs> like a sailor sometimes. <laughs> I, I'm sure you've heard me cuss a few times on the show, right? I'm not offended. <laughs> You're not a snowflake? Is that what it is? No, no. Far <laughs> from it. Far from it. Well, cool, dude. I'm I'm uh, I'm glad I've been I've been uh, we've been friends on social media for a while, and I've I've kind of watched things play out for you, and and I, I appreciate you you agreeing to come on to this episode, tell a little story about your elk hunt. Um, you're the third one, so so these are actually going a lot longer than I was planning. So sorry if it's a little late. 
Oh no, we're all good. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you allowing me to tell my story on on your podcast. There, um, I think yeah. I found you. I found your podcast long before I found you on like Facebook. Oh yeah. I don't me- I don't remember how I found your podcast there. I don't know if it was through Dan or if you had somebody else I was listening to that kind of mentioned you, but. Who's, yeah, that's how which, that played out. Which Dan? Like Dan Staten or somebody? Or? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm good friends with Dan, but... Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I'm decent, you know, cordial with him, and we talk, so... He's a motivator, man. Uh, he's been oh, out man. There, he, he's been out there slaying it all over the West and with, with elk season. Have you been watching him? I, have, I haven't been keeping up on him here lately. I haven't really seen any of his postings, but... Um, yeah, he's well. I mean, it's just predictable. It's Dan. You can pretty much yeah. uh, you, you count your count your chickens when he's got a tag that he's going to notch that sucker. So yeah, uh, well, he, that that whole family is a great family. Actually, his uh, his dad um, they allowed me to hang hang my elk in their cooler, and then uh, I've never really butchered one. Oh, so nice. uh, yeah, he uh, Rod let me uh, or showed kind of kind of took my hand there and showed me how to cup a quarter there and then sent me on my way. So yeah, they're, they're great people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, I was just saying before you answered that, like the, the best part of doing a podcast is all the friends I meet out of this, Dan included. And now you and, uh, Jake, we just had on and Kevin before him. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool. So tell us where, where are you at? Where do you live? Well, I live not too far from there. I live over here in Hauser. I know. North oh, Idaho. okay. Yeah, yeah, we're just, getting uh, all Idaho. Everybody's Idahoan on this episode. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm about. Uh, yeah, I live a mile north of the, of the Hauser Lake over here, so got a nice little pad and uh, couldn't 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 like it. You know, couldn't couldn't ask for a better place to live. So yeah, that's a great spot, man. There's some huge ass whitetails over there. There is. Um, there is. Yeah. I've got a couple around my yard. I've, I could have shot off my back porch, but I'm gonna let them go another year yet. So. Oh come on, you got a hot tub? Uh, I don't know. Oh, dang it. <laughs> I want, I want like footage of somebody sitting in a hot tub, shooting a deer out of their hot tub. You know, that's, that's easy pickings. <laughs> I could have done it at my last place, but none of them were big enough. So, um, yeah, I've been watching, I've been watching one since he was just a little bitty button buck. Um, he's to his ears right now, a nice little four point, And then he's running around with another four point that's just outside of the ears. So hopefully I can, hopefully they last another year and then, then they're up for, uh, yeah, <laughs> they're up they're on the chopping then block. They're on the chopping block. I like yeah. it. Yeah. No, that's great. So elk hunting wise, you were hunting the panhandle. I was. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess the saying I say exactly where I was hunting, but I was hunting at six, uh, which is a pretty big unit. Yeah, it's a big unit. Um, I, and you don't have to get specific. I'm just, I'm trying to get, um, I actually, I, I didn't plan this through. I didn't realize everybody I've got on is from Idaho. <laughs> I was hoping oh. to get some like Arizona or Colorado. Anyway, the Idahoans, the the Idaho crowd is the biggest crowd of the Western Huntsman. So, and it's followed right, right behind very closely, uh, Washington comes in second. Oh. And then from there, it's Montana and Utah are like tied. And then Wyoming and Colorado are like tied. So anyway, uh, uh, that's that's awesome, man. I, I actually really like talking to people that hunt the panhandle. And uh, between you and I and whoever, I guess, listens to this now, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Unit 6. 
Uh, and that uh, is, I spent a lot of time there over the last several years. Uh, and had, it's, yeah. it's tough hunting. It can be, uh, I mean, there's some spots it's, it's good, you know, easy hunting, mm-hmm. but man, the majority of it that I've hunted, uh, it is tough hunting. So um, unit six is really unique in, in a, in a way that geographically where it's located, you have a lot of this private land and then all this big, like big country, big, big timber country. Right. Yeah. And, and there's congregated areas where all the hunters go in unit six. And so some people will go to unit six and be like, Oh my God, this is the most crowded place I've ever been. I keep knocking my microphone. Yeah. Um, and then, and then there's, there's other areas of unit six that I, I don't want to divulge any secrets. Uh, yeah. You, you can get away from the crowd. Um, yes. most definitely, uh, like you're saying, a lot of the crowd that I've experienced, um, you know, there's easier access, uh, more roads, more four wheeler trails, um, little easier terrain. Cause there's, there's a little bit of everything in unit six, you know, you get, there's some flat, easy walking, and then there's the steep, deep, brushy, you know, nasty Canyon. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can get away from the crowd. You just have to, you have to work at it. Yep, um, you have to work. And that's, and that's the way it is with most units, you know, so don't anybody listen to this, think that you need to start researching just unit six in Idaho or something, because right. it's, it's like that anywhere. Um, I, I just have a, I have a soft spot for unit six because of a very particular little teeny corner of it that I know of, uh, that always holds elk. In fact, that's where I was. Uh, I think I was telling the story to Kevin, uh, when I called in a bull, I believe it was around the 14th of September. This bull is 20 feet from me and my bow gets caught in my camera that I'm trying to oh. record with. And I can't, I had to release the bow and draw back again, and at that point he got, you know, he got hung up in some alder brush, and I, I couldn't quite get a shot off. The, uh, the joys of self-filming and hunting. It's, it's just I, I question sometimes if it's worth it, man. Like I'm not a great filmer anyway, but uh, that cost me sure. a bowl on, on that day. But that's all right. That's, I mean, it's hunting. If it wouldn't have been that, it would have been something else, you know. Sure. So, so you're in Unit Six. Give us, uh, give us a rundown, yeah. man. What kind of, kind of to set up the. Uh, to set the stage here um so i had a run-in with this bull five days prior um it was on a saturday i I, i'm a dirt bike hunter so um i like to try to get away from crowds i don't i don't run my dirt bike right to where i'm my you know like a tree stand or anything but get off you know take the dirt bike and then get back somewhere and then hike from there you know kind of get into the toolies but um, I planned on going hunting um, in an area, and instead of taking the shortcut, which was a steep, nasty single track, I decided to take the road out, go to the end of the road, and then drop off the end of the road. Well, I get to the end of the road, or actually, I unloaded my, my dirt bike, uh, I don't know, like 4.30, quarter to 5 maybe, and as I'm unloading the dirt bike, uh, a four-wheeler goes by me on that road. I was like, well, I guess it's that time of, time of day. So I get hauling on my dirt bike, and the farther I get out on this road, I was like, man, this is farther out here than I figured. So I start I start gassing on it, and 
I catch up to this four wheeler and I passed him and I mean, it's a long ways out there and yeah, long, you know, pretty soon the sun, you know, the, the lights start to come up from the sun. I'm like, Oh shoot. You know, it's, I really got to get going. So I, I really hammered on it get all the way to the end of the road and it's nothing but pickups and a camp. Oh, are you serious? Eight or nine pickups there. There was out of staters there. I was like, I am not going where I originally planned. I'll have to put that on the back burner and make that a very last choice, but I'm not going to go. Like a, like a trailhead or something? Well, that's just the end of the road where, where there's a couple trails that come in and, and there, but um, hmm. I don't know. There's There was better way. I guess there's better ways for to get in there, but I don't like um, – I don't really like them steep, nasty single tracks with a bow on my back and oh, dark thirty yeah, by myself. Yeah, so yeah, a little dangerous. I try to take the safer route, but yeah, by this time, I mean it was. It's a good hike in there, and it's it's getting pretty light already, and I should be in the woods, but um, you know, kind of mismanaged my time. I mean, but sometimes it's it's farther out in them elkwoods than what a guy figures. You know, you get up at quarter after three or three thirty and leave the trailer by four and you're not out there at five thirty quarter to six yet. You're kind of in trouble, but yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I spun around and I was like, great. Now where am I going to go? So I just started cruising back and, um, I passed the, the, the four wheeler that I passed earlier had passed me again, but I was going the other way. And I put, I was already a couple miles from the end of the road on my way back out. So I had put miles on this guy. So mm-hmm. I was ripping it trying to get there, but, it just didn't pan out. So I passed him and now the sun is coming up. I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, there's a great big Canyon off to my right hand side. I was like, well, I'm going to, I'll pull my stuff off and throw a bugle out there. And I threw a bugle out there and sure as sure enough, I mean, I didn't hardly get it out of the tube and, and he was screaming right back at me. I was like, wow, he's just right there. Let, let's, so, let's back up a little bit, Reese. What, what day of the month is this? So this would have been, um, like the 10th. Okay. Around the of 10th. September. Okay. So no, it was the 11th of September. And how far off from where you bugled do you think that bull was? So he was probably in, yeah, he wasn't that far off of from where I bugled, but to get to him, I had to go another mile down the road on the dirt bike. Cause the way the finger ridges kind of come out through that, in that Canyon, it was just smarter for me to, to bike down the, down the road a little ways. And then yeah. I, I, I kind of knew what Ridge he was on just the way he, he screamed like right at me. I could tell he was facing right at me. And it, I mean, it was steep where I was, you know, where I bugled from. So I, I kind of, you know, pulled out the old Onyx is like, well, I think he's right here. I'm going to whip around over here. And I got my stuff off and, Park the bike and all right. Let, let me stop you just real quick, Reese. Listeners, I hope you guys are are paying attention to the pattern that is developing with marking your onyx where you think that bull is when you hear him. Yeah, uh, it's a super important step to take. Take a wild guess, even if you're not sure. Take a wild guess and mark where you think you heard that bugle. All right, continue. Yeah, on, and sorry. Yeah, just to kind of uh, um, touch on that point is he was probably. Uh, the way the crow flies, 400 yards, 500 yards maybe, tops. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you could tell how, how close he was. I mean, it was a lot. Of, it was, he was 
pretty loud, right in my face, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So it was it was close, but the way the drainage works, it was just impossible for me to. It, it wasn't the right way to go about it. Yeah, no, which no, no. It even, makes total sense. Even the way I, I spun around and, and started hiking down that ridge was still wrong. But you know the way that the thermals were, but he never did catch the, my wind. But I, I dove off the road and started going down in the brush, and I bugled to see where he was at, and and he bugled back. And I mean, he wasn't 400 yards away from me. I was like, oh man, this is easy. Yeah. 400 yards off the off the road, you know, go figure. But you know, talking before, I, I should have. You know, he takes me all the way down to the bottom of the drainage is what he did, but it wasn't as easy as what I thought. But um, so he starts, he hears me bugle. So he starts down the ridge and then I get, start following him, you know, as best I can and keep it, keep in my wind. And um, I would bugle and it just seemed like every time I bugle, he was farther away. So I was I probably was within 400 yards, I think. And I, I was like, well, the bugling isn't, isn't the ticket. Cause he's just kind of running, you know, he's running away from me. So I started cow calling and I got on a nice, uh, elk trail headed down this ridge. And I start pick up the pace a little bit to try to try to make up some ground, try to catch up to him. And the closer I got, the louder I got on my cow calls. So by 200 yards, I figured I was within 200 yards the last time I heard him bugle. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty loud on the cow calls. And um, pretty soon I, I get to this brush field. Um, and he hadn't bugled in a, in a while. So I was kind of leery of what was going on. I was like, you know, now, what go, now what's going on? So I stopped. I got, I got to this brush field and that waxy, you know, Alder brush, whatever, uh-huh. you know, North Idaho's yeah, I hate famous it. for. I freaking hate that stuff. I've swam through yeah. more of that than I'll ever, like, I can care less if I ever um, see it again. <laughs> yeah, just, you just can't avoid it. Yeah. And so I stopped and um, was kind of listening for him, and pretty soon I'm hearing branches breaking and crunching. I was like, oh, man, he's, like, right here. And sure enough, he was, like, right there, like 45 <laughs> yards away from me but that's all I could see was antlers. And he came to within 30 yards and I was in this brush field and it was kind of a small brush field. I could see across it, but uh-huh. I couldn't get through it. But there was, there was kind of a, a downhill. There wasn't anything to the downhill side of me. So I, I went downhill and tried cow calling and he was raking and he wasn't going to come past that brush field. I mean, just, he just lost interest in the way he went down the hill. So I kind of, I chased him some more, um, not really chasing him, like running after him, but you know, cow calling. And by this time, I mean, he's, he's putting, you know, yards on me and that's, it wasn't just, I, I wasn't going to keep up with him and he wasn't going to turn and, and come back and see what I was. So I, I ended up, I sat and, the last time I bugled one more time and I knew I was quite a ways away from him and he, and he piped off, you know, torched off back at me. And I kind of, again, looked at my onyx is like, well, I think he's about right there, which is about 500 yards away. So then I just kind of eased my way down in there thinking that I could, uh, you know, stalk in there and see where he was at and, and put an arrow in him. But 
no, to no avail. Uh, he put the slip on me and didn't say a word the rest of the day, you know, pretty much. So, um, that yeah, sucks, man. When they're at 30 yards. Yeah. And then they give you crazy. the slip. Yeah. Yeah. Elk, yeah. They're just elusive like that. It's crazy. I, I, you know, I knocked an arrow the whole, the whole shoot match. I was, you know, ready, ready to go as ready as I could be at that point because he kind of surprised me. He, he caught me in a bad setup. If I'd have been, if you know, there'd been two guys, I, you know, he probably would have been a dead bull that Saturday, but solo hunter, you know, caught me in a bad setup. So gig was up. Uh, I hiked back out to the bike and, um, the rest of the week I was hitting, um, just kind of prospecting, trying to see, you know, get to see where, where elk are, try to find them, go to some new areas. And, uh, on Wednesday of that, of that next week, so that would have been the 15th, uh, I went to a, a new spot that I've never been. And I, it looked, it looked promising, but it, it was sad to say by the time I got to the, uh, the head end of that drainage, it was nothing but a bone pile. Yeah. Maybe wolves you know, have been in there, kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and there I've was a nice. A lot tra- of those this year. There was a nice trail in there. I, I only saw one elk track in that whole canyon, but there was a nice trail beaten down on that on that skid road, and it it wasn't from hooves. Hmm. So it it was pretty disappointing. So I Damn. spent all day there. You know, I hiked, well, I don't know, four and a half miles in. So it was like a nine mile day. And then I'm, you know, you're tired. You want to try to get some sleep to catch up, you know, to recharge yourself. And just this whole time I'm headed back to the truck and then get back to the trailer. I'm like, where am I going to hunt tomorrow? You know, I just, I just didn't, didn't really have have another spot. I know know that feeling, man. When you feel like you've burned, you know, plan A to Z and it's like, yeah, what do I do tomorrow? I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I kind of thought I was like, well, maybe I'll go try this other that that bull out that I had Saturday, thinking you know, well, maybe hopefully nobody has messed with him because that's your worst case scenario. If somebody's messed with him, you know, chances are of getting on him are yeah, he's pretty low. even worse. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I hopped back on my dirt bike that next morning. And I went into that canyon a different way. I went in on on the I dropped in on the single track. It went in about two and a half miles and coasted most of the way. Ditched the dirt bike and started hiking down the single track. And I got got, got to the bottom of the canyon and and I bugled and uh, something piped off right across the creek from from me. And I was like, oh man, he's right there. So I stopped and. Pretty soon I could hear something in the brush down below me and, you know, I couldn't get him to, I couldn't see nothing, but I could hear him. So I, I, I kind of run back up the trail, uh, and bugled another time and then was scurrying back to try to kind of fool him uh-huh. kind of thing. And he must've spotted me. And all of a sudden I just hear this crash, crash, crash. You know, and I was like, Oh, that one's done. Break you know? yep, yep. Yep. See you later. Mm. So, uh, and he didn't, he only bugled the one time. So I was like, well, he isn't really hot either. So, um, I hiked down, I hiked down the trail another 80 or 90 yards, uh, to the head into that, that next, uh, draw. And I turned and I bugled back up the hill, kind of where he had, 
I'd figured that bull went from Saturday. That's where I figured he'd went to. Uh-huh. It's kind of, and sure enough, he piped right off. I mean, piped right off. And and just to clarify, this is a different bull than the one you just had down on the yeah. bottom of the drainage. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Carry on. So I think that one that was in the bottom of the drainage was just either a spike or, you know, a young bull kind of a satellite. Gotcha. That's kind of gotcha. how I was figuring. He probably winded you or saw you or something. Okay. Yeah. And, and I never saw him again and he never spoke another word. So, but after, uh, after this guy pipes off at me again, you know, I'm kind of a fan of Onyx, you know, I'm, you, you look at your, your, your topo and, you kind of looking at benches and this could possibly be a bench. I think he's right here. Well, I, I hit the line or, you know, to measure your line distance. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I think he's right there. And it said like 320 something yards. It's like, well, I'm going to try to cut the distance. So I started, I started headed up the, that ridge and wind is coming down. So wind is great. And I'm going through the woods, like a freight trying to, trying to catch, you know, trying to make up the distance and breaking branches and, and whatnot, and all of a sudden I'm hearing branches going the other way, you know, crashing going the other way. I was like, holy cow, he's, he's coming right at me. Jeez. So I quick bugled to stop him to calm him down, and, and it must have stopped him. And he had came, he probably came 200 yards to my maybe 60 to 70. I mean, he was covering ground fast. <laughs> and it was kind of crazy. I was like, holy cow, you know. I love it, man. Yeah. So I, 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 it stopped him, and he kind of turned and started going back up the hill, and I couldn't see him, but I could hear him. And I don't kind of remember how we got to – I got got him to, to get fired up, really, uh, you know, bugled and chuckled or, or something. But he started he started raking. And, of course, then um, he, never, he never really bugled again, but I, I started mimicking him. You know, I, I started raking, and – He'd chuckle and I'd chuckle, but I would throw a bugle back in there, you know, just to kind of show I was a little bit wound up than he was. Sure. I don't know if that worked or not, but um, yeah. pretty soon I can see him, you know, kind of walking through the brush and he just kept hanging around and hanging around and hanging around. And it, it basically turned into a chuckle fest. That's all I did was chuckle. It was crazy. <laughs> I've had one of those bulls before. Interesting. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> That's all he wanted to do was chuckle and rake. And he was tearing up brush and I could hear him tearing up stuff and see, you know, see the trees or whatever he was tearing up up ahead of me, but I couldn't see him. And I started kind of moving up the hill a little bit to get on his uh, level because I was probably 75 feet elevation wise below him. Okay. So I, I, uh, yeah, he just kept on raking and, and, uh, I was chuckling and um, we kind of got, I, I was moving up the hill and I, I probably got within, oh, I don't know. I was, I was close to his elevation, but we kind of got into that stalemate of the um, chuckle, rake, yeah, you're not serious kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it, and it kind of went silent. I was like, uh-oh, this isn't good. So what I ended up what I ended up doing is there was a, there was a kind of a period of, of silence in there and I was like, God, what tricks do I have? You know, I've I've never really killed I've never killed an elk. Mm-hmm. I've shot an elk and I, I I hit one the last year. I never did find him, but yeah, um, me too. <laughs> that's 
that's for another day. Um, another nightmare, man. Yeah. Yeah. I punched my tag. I mean, I didn't, I, yeah, punched I, it after I did that the same one, thing, but... man. And, and I don't care who you are, anybody that's bow hunted, that, that that's what happens sometimes it, yeah. whether it's a deer or an elk you know sometimes you know we, we actually I'm, I'm thinking about having a conversation about that exact topic so anyway let's not get sidetracked here yeah um so it kind of got into that stalemate and it, it had been going on for quite a while quite some time for probably 10 minutes already or even more mm-hmm. and i'm looking at you know i'm looking to my left and i can start seeing the, the line of the sun start coming farther and farther down the hill, you know, I was like, I'm going to be running out of time here before this, the thermal switch. And I'm looking at my watch and I'm like looking at the sun and I was like, what do I do? So I, I started just doing the glunking on, on the end of the tube, you know, with, with your cupped hand uh-huh. and that torched him right off. I mean, it, it really, it, it pissed him off so much. Yeah. He, he found he ended up coming down a little bit farther, closer to me, and found this pine tree, and he thrashed on that thing and thrashed on it and thrashed on my, it. I'm grabbing my tube. Keep going. And um, so he, while he's thrashing on it, I gave him the biggest uh, – and he would chuckle. He, was, he would thrash on it, and then he'd chuckle and thrash on it, and then he'd chuckle and one of those times he chuckled, I gave the biggest, nastiest lip ball bugle that – I've ever been able to, you know, muster and it sounded really good to me and he did not even care about it. Really? Nope. Didn't turn his head. He just kept on chuckling. I was like, Oh, okay. But he, (laughs) he liked or I guess he didn't like the chuckling or I mean the, the glunking, it pissed him off. Yeah. And just so like, it sounds like this. Yeah, exactly that. that. Yep. So we're just hitting the top of the tube where your mouth goes guys with a cut hand. Yep, exactly. Glunking with an elk. Yeah. Okay. And for some some reason that I mean that torched him off. I mean wow. just torched him off. See, I've never gotten a reaction with that. I've used it before in conjunction with other things and called in bulls, but I've never had one like actually respond to that specifically. So Yeah. So I, I, I love was, learning this stuff. It was new to me too, man. It was new to me too. As well, if if it if it works, it worked, you know, kind of thing. So mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he found this pine tree. I don't know, you know, a couple inch pine tree that he's just thrashing on. He kept on thrashing on it. And I was like, well, now I'm getting to where I can see him. And I can see there's a little bitty flat spot just five yards up, up above me yet to where I can enough to stand on something flat yeah. to where maybe I can get a shot. So I make about two yards and I'm behind the stump. And now, now this time, He's turned at me, raking this tree. So he's looking at me, raking this tree, and it kind of opens up. There's kind of a shooting lane. There's, like, zero brush. Surprisingly, you know, there's, like, zero brush. I mean, he's got a wide open, can see me, and he's raking on the tree. Eyes open, and he kept on raking. I was like, well, it's now or never. You know, what do I do? Yeah. So I, I took two more steps and got on that flat spot, and – this whole time, I mean, he, his eyes were open, looking at, you know, what I thought he was looking at me, but he was raking. So apparently when they're raking, they just don't. Yeah, they don't their, see. Yeah, they're, usually yeah. their eyes are closed. Yeah, this guy's was wide open. It was, I was shocked. But wow. he didn't notice the movement, um, but he noticed that I didn't, that I quit 
you know, talking or, or raking, you know, to, back to him. So uh, he stops raking and turns broadside and was going to take a step, and I cow called and stopped him. And now he's completely broadside and looking at me. And just prior to that, while he was raking, I arranged some brush just ahead of him. It was 28 yards. Oh, wow. It's like, well, he's probably 30. Sure. Just behind that brush. You know, I was surprised he even got anything to range. But he was broadside, and I was like, well, here we go. Um, had my slider at 20, and I had it's a two-pin slider. Um, and he was looking at me, and I just drew back, and everything was just automatic at that point. I drew back, uh, set the pin on him, and, and sent it. And um, when I sent it, he took off like a bolt of lightning. Just gone. Yeah. I was like, whoa. <laughs> so I, 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 I sat there and gathered my thoughts and gathered my emotions for about 15 minutes. And I, would, I had talked to Rod Staten a, uh, a few days prior to that. And he says, you know, don't wait more than 20 minutes and get, get on that bull. Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah, cause he, his experiences are that if you let him sit there, it – it's enough to allow them to, for that wound to close up, clot up, and then they quit bleeding. Gotcha. So I, I kind of had that in my mind. as like, well, it's been 15 minutes, almost 20. I marked where I shot from, and I walked up to where he was where I shot him. I turned around and ranged it, and it was 35 yards. I was like, oh, no, I missed him. Thinking I couldn't, no arrow, uh, no blood. So I was like, well, I guess I'll start following some tracks. So I saw kind of where he went through the brush and I went about 15 yards and there was no blood, uh, but I could see his hoof, hoof tracks going down the hill and pretty much in defeat, you know, already like last year, like the year before, I was like, oh, great, you know, mm-hmm. screwed up another one. And I turned, I was going to sit up against the hill and as I turned, I was facing this tree and I could see his antlers. It was just amazing. Like another 15 yards ahead of me. No kidding. Yeah. He didn't go 30 yards and he was stacked up. Holy shit. He was super close. Yeah. Wow. It was crazy. It was, but the the shot, you know, Oh my God. It was, you know, I talk about a range of emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've been hunting bow hunting elk now for nine years. Wow. Yeah. It took me a while. That's awesome, yeah. man. Congratulations, um, though. I appreciate it. Uh, it's, you know, like they all say, it's it's not easy. Um, I, I have had my encounters, and I have missed a couple bulls prior to this, and then I missed that one last year, actually put blood on the ground and never did get in. But, mm-hmm. um, yep, yep. No so, feeling. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing. Me, remind me again, what was the date that that took this, place? So I shot him. On the 16th. On the 16th. Okay. So yep. let's see. We've had on this episode, we've had August 30. We've had uh, September 15 and now September 16. Yep. Um, and what time of day was it? So it was 7.15. It was quarter after 7 when I shot him. A.M. And yep. uh, that was not quite full moon yet. So um, and you were solo. Solo hunter, uh, yeah, the whole shoot match from start to finish was solo. How how was the pack out? Uh, 
12 hours to get him back to the truck. Gotcha. And um, is there is there anything that you could say to somebody else that's been hunting elk for nine years and still hasn't tagged out um, that you feel like would encourage or enlighten uh, to, to, to keep going? Is there anything you learned, like a specific? Yeah, Go ahead. yeah uh, actually a couple things. Um, Onyx is, 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 a, is a huge uh, storyteller. You know, it, it tells you a lot more than what you think it does. So I, mm-hmm. I pay a lot of attention to my onyx, you know, I'm marking where it's at. And then even if, even if it doesn't show up, you kind of, you can process of elimination. Well, this doesn't, this isn't where they'd be, you know, kind of thing, but onyx is one of them. Um, and then as far as actually chasing, you know, uh, you know, chasing the bull, like on that Saturday, um, as I was, as he's going away from me that last time, I kind of thought in my head, I was like, well, he's not ready yet. He, 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 he bugled, but he wasn't, he didn't want to come he's again. He wasn't there, committed. Not yet. Ready to commit. yep. Yeah. 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 So I was like, well, I'll put him on the back burner, you know, put him on ice and let him, let him soak for a little while. Hmm. And then, yeah, I came back five days later and he was ready. Yep. Yep. Um, that's that, that's yeah, a really it, good. That's a good takeaway right there in itself, Reese. Is sometimes when you locate a bugle, or I'm sorry, a, a bugling bowl, let's say, uh, on one day, and maybe it's early season or something, and and you guys are out there and you you locate this bugling bowl, um, and but he's not ready to commit. Don't X that area because he might be ready yeah. in five days, or even yeah, sometimes it, the next day. Right, and the, the other, I mean, a couple other things is, um. I had 17 days to hunt, so and it was, you know it was early in the season, so I didn't want to. You know, you can you can burn your legs up pretty fast elk hunting. Yep. Um, and and I'm in pretty decent shape. I work out five five plus days a week, so it wasn't that I was worried about burning my legs up, but I was like, well, what's the point of breaking through busted brush when they're not talking during the day? Because it was an hour in the morning and an hour at night. Sure. Is all they would talk. So. You could, they let you walk right by them during the day. So there's really no point of, of breaking, you know, busting the brush. But um, I think the most important thing that um, that I learned out of that whole deal, too, is I'm, I'm a bird hunter, too. I, I duck hunt. You know, I got a couple of dogs and I mm-hmm. duck hunt. So when you duck hunt, you're sitting there in the blind and you're calling the birds to you. With elk hunting, don't be afraid to go to the bull. Yeah. Great point, man. Um, it's kind of how is the best way I can describe it. Yeah, great point. And and is, being aggressive he, with it, yeah. Is yeah, he'll only go, he'll only come so far, unless he's really hot. Another you know? key takeaway from your story, uh, Reese, is is the fact that you you know you guys are chuckling back and forth, you're bugling, you guys are raking, and you're having this big you know encounter, and and but what really set him set his fuse off was that glunking. And, yeah. and honestly, I, I just, I've personally never experienced that, uh, where the glunking is what really made the difference. So that's super interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, go ahead. I really didn't know what to do because, you know, uh, a lot of guys say, well, we'll rake and that, that will, that will piss them off. Well, I was already raking mm-hmm. and he wasn't bugling back. So I really couldn't lit ball bugle. And I, I, you know, I threw the one at him. And he really didn't pay attention to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just, uh, 
pull all stops out when it when it comes to something like that. You know, if, sure. it, if it starts getting stale on you, just what do you got to lose? How's he taste? Oh man, amazing. <laughs> Well, Reese, I, I just uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show um, and and telling us your story. These things, it's it's funny. I'm I'm like so intrigued with some of these stories. Like it, it, this was supposed to be 10 to 15 minutes each person, and <laughs> we're running yeah. a lot longer, which is fine because I think I think people are going to get a lot out of this. Um, well, I hope so. Uh, I, I appreciate you letting me allow uh, allowing me to come on your podcast here and, and tell my story. It was it's just amazing. It's it was yeah. quite emotional. I'll bet. Um, I'll bet. I yeah. feel like you and I need to stay in touch. I, I feel like we need I think to stay so. in touch. Um, maybe get you on for a full episode in the future, uh, and and just just talk hunting and duck hunting and elk hunting and bear hunting, what, whatever you know. Yeah, um, that'd be great. It'd be fantastic. So I I just appreciate. It. I hate to cut it short, but I I've got one more. Uh, yeah. tonight, and so um, man, thanks a bunch. Congratulations on a great hunt. Uh, and I, I just, it's, it's so amazing to hear these stories and pick up on the things that people don't normally talk about, you know, and, and how those little details come together to make people successful. And so, uh, just a, just a great story, man. Congrats. Well, I appreciate you, Jim, and uh, you got my number here. I got yours. I'll plug it in my phone and we'll, we'll stay in touch. Yeah, for sure. Let's do that, man. I I will be reaching out either way. Um, just to you know, kind of recap and thank you for uh, again for coming on the show. So, uh, we'll we'll be in touch soon. But I I got to get rolling here and and thanks yeah. again and and uh, again I can't say congrats enough. Uh, great bowl, great story, brother. I appreciate you. You you uh, have yourself a big old fine night. You too. You too, man. Thank we'll you, talk sir. soon. All right. Again, for sure. All right. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye. Well, guys, there you have it with uh, with Reese, and you know it's just it it blows my mind some of the things you you pick up on when you're when you're really listening and paying attention to some of these stories. Um, and he just did a great job, and I hope you guys are picking up on the fact that um, I could care less about. I have not asked anybody how big the bowl that they shot was. We haven't scored it. We haven't asked anybody how many points. We had Kevin talking about how he set a goal to shoot a six-pointer, and he did. Uh, but but and, and that's okay because Kevin is a super experienced elk hunter with a lot of tags notched, and that's what was important to him. Uh, but for the rest of these, you know, I don't know if we're talking about a spike or a six point or a, a raghorn or anything in between. Because to me, when you're when you're using archery equipment and you're calling these bulls in, and and you're you're doing the whole September thing, uh, I, you know, a spike is a damn trophy to me. So I hope you guys are picking up on that because I I just I don't want to. Um, Make it a point. It's it's not important how big these elk are or how small these elk are. I have no idea how big Reese's bull was. Uh, I haven't seen any pictures of... Well, I did see a picture of Kevin's bull, uh, if we're being honest, but everybody else. So I've got one more for you, and, and the next person is Steve Johnson. So Steve is a former guest on the show. He's uh, one of the better hunters that I know personally. Um, and he's just a great dude. We, him and I shared a day at one point and it was awesome. Steve, you there? Yeah. What's up, dude? What are you doing? You dirty, dirty, rotten bastard. <laughs> I just cracked a white claw. Oh no, you didn't. We're not <laughs> friends if you did that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we're I recording by the way. That to, yeah. 
So <laughs> I throw you off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you did. You threw me off with the whole white. I'm drinking a whiskey, man. I did one of those, and then I played Skipbo with Stacy, and then I saw what the heck. You're gonna so, I'm, so I'm gonna you're gonna have a white claw, a white claw, huh? A, yeah. a white claw. A white claw. Yeah. A watermelon. Uh, do you <laughs> did you get your did it come with a free Joe Biden bumper sticker? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm just making sure that you're getting the whole package. Yeah, it came for uh, it came with that and uh, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Old Hillary, man. <laughs> I tell you what. All right. All she right. had to she had to finish the sentence for Joe. <laughs> I feel like they just have like this microchip <laughs> implanted in Joe's brain, and it's like probably Hillary Clinton just typing in what he says next, but she's making a lot of typos apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so what's up, man? How you doing tonight? I'm good, man. How I don't know. I don't know if you heard me, but we we are actively recording. So you're making fun okay. of these Democrats actively recording. That's all right. Jeez. Uh, They'll forget it tomorrow. Yeah, pretty much. It, what, what good <laughs> is politics if you can't make fun of each other? I make fun of Trump yeah. sometimes too, so it's all right. Yeah. I just like yeah. Trump better. That's all. <laughs> So uh, we are recording. I didn't give you a lot of details on this, dude, but uh, what I've been doing is I've been recording a lot of uh, or I've been calling different people that I barely even know. You're the first person that I actually know on a personal basis uh, on this episode. (laughs) I'm one hour and 48 minutes into this and we're getting their elk story. And, and getting an idea of, of how it went down, how they got, uh, you know, they either bugled in a bull or, or somehow coaxed a bull into bow range and, and were able to tag out. And you did it super early. Like, it was it was the second day of season, uh, mm-hmm. which the only one on this episode that's that's got, got it one up on you is I had Kevin Bunce on, who got one on August 30th, opening day. Oh, uh, wow. And so, but that's when you got your bear, which was like less than a week than you were actually here personally in the studio. Um, yeah, no, it was like, it was like, what was it, like four days? Thursday, so it was there Thursday, and then yeah, Friday, then, Saturday, Sunday, so Monday I shot the bear, and then, uh, yeah, Monday I shot the bear, and then Tuesday I shot the elk. Yeah, yeah, what the hell, man? <laughs> How does that work? I don't know. Well, <laughs> You've been living right. I was whitetail hunting. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what I figured. So maybe next year I'll say I'm going elk hunting and then I'll get my whitetail. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Maybe. Well, you got that big buck you're chasing. Uh, I saw the video that you posted from your trail cam. What do you call him, Sarge? Yeah. Like like you're a Kansas hunter or something. You give them all names. Yep. No, I have, and I just I called him Sarge because like every video I have of him. He kind of runs the show mm-hmm. when he's there with the other bucks. Dude, he is a freaking so. monster. That is a monster mountain whitetail right there. Oh, if, I'm excited. Yeah. I, um, I've been. I got out one day after. Well, I went out and I called for some friends. I went out with you, and then I called for my buddy Mark. Uh huh. And then, so I've got a total. I think I spent six days total hunting during archery season this year, which is a lot less than what I thought I was going to spend. But, um, yeah, I've had some really close calls. That's fun. We and yeah. you almost got it done one day and then twice. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. We called that we called that one bull in twice. Well, you call. Let, let, let me restart rephrase that. So for for those of you listening, Steve Steve was on the program prior to hunting season coming coming around. So we decided to go out one day, and we meet up on this spot in the mountains uh, that, that that we're both, you know, I, I think you're more familiar with that area than I am, but I, I knew the area. We yeah. meet up there. We drive up the mountain. Steve starts cranking out these bugles, and, and these elk start responding. So we go in, and uh, we drop down. Gosh, we probably dropped almost 1,000 feet off that first bugle, and... Um, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that far. Maybe it just seemed that far. But it, it was a long way down. No, it, was, it just kept going down yeah. and down and down. And we dropped down in the bottom of this drainage, walked back up this finger ridge, and this little raghorn about runs us over, mm-hmm. and, who didn't make a peep because we were focused on the one that was bugling further up that, that uh, draw. We call him in twice. And then he kind of buggers off, and then we head down, and we're walking through the drainage, and we're talking at, like, normal volumes about killing whitetail down here. Oh, this is great whitetail country, you know, and we're talking yeah. back and forth. <laughs> and all of a sudden, that, bugle, that, that, that bull bugles, and you call him into, like, almost 20 yards to me, but he goes down to the left into the alder, and I can't see him. You saw him. Uh, yeah, I was sitting up on the hill looking down at this, and I'm like, oh, Jim's got to be able to see him. No, nah, I couldn't see him. And yeah, shit, he's totally hidden. <laughs> but Yeah, it's just being in those bottoms like that, it's like, how do you play the wind? It's so back and forth, and, you know, I mean. Yeah, you're, you're totally pigeonholed in those situations. I mean, the, the, the winds the wind is swirling in the bottom of those drainages in midday. I mean, and there's there's a shaded side where you still got thermals coming down. You got the sunny side, thermals are going up, and then you got the natural, just the day to day wind that's kind of mixing all that together. So you got like this melting pot of different directional winds, and you're just kind of screwed, man. I, I don't know yeah. what else we could have done. I, you know, I could have no, thrown a hell mary. No, that's Like I guess for the listeners too, like it's that drainage isn't what 35 yards wide and then it's yeah. straight up and the both sides yep yeah and i think where we were at there was another drainage coming down so it was like a, a little bit of a split there or like a crow's foot if you will mm-hmm. i remember right you know it's like we had three different things kind of transitioning into one spot right there yeah, the wind was just all over the place, but he was spunky, man, for that early in the season. I think that yeah, was like September third or fourth or something. And yeah, he, we're talking in it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was all sorts of fired up, and but yeah, I just I never saw him, couldn't see him. Yeah, I I was blown away. I was couldn't. I was, just, I was sitting up there and I could see. I couldn't see his head. His whole. I just saw his body. Mm-hmm. That was, because I was about, I don't know, what do you think? I think I was at least 100 yards behind you, if not maybe a little more. But Yeah, I think so. You, you were a lot higher. And the goal was, for those of you listening, you were going to draw him back up towards you, which would put him right past me. But he went down lower and crossed in a different spot on the bottom of that drainage than we thought. Because I thought he was going to come out in that little meadow. Yeah. Because that's what it sounded like, uh, but he, he just never did. He never showed himself, so, um, yeah, he totally busted it. I don't know if he saw me or if he just winded me, but either way, he just disappeared. I think aliens came down and abducted him before I can get an arrow. <laughs> well, we were watching his tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that was cool. 
It was crazy. Well, well then so, after so after that hunt, then I took my buddy Mark out, and uh, we I he had a shot. He missed a, a really nice six by six hurtful. It was in the middle of a thunderstorm. That, yeah, I was gonna say that was that day that was really stormy, right? Yeah, it was just raining. It was raining really hard, and I could not hear that bull at a hundred yards. There's wow. no, no way in hell. And we can't. You know, I just barely caught a bugle, and I was like, "Oh, I think we need to go over this." There's kind of a little bench right there, and it kind of just drops off real steep. And I was like, "Let's get over to that edge," and it's big old growth timber. And so we kind of snuck over to that edge and I looked down and there's cows standing there. And so I just got, I crouched down, hiked back up the hill, told him, you just stay right here. And I blew the loudest bugle that I possibly could. And here came the bull and the bull came <laughs> up and he was kind of in a bad spot for Mark when he first came up and the bull turned and went down the hill and then it stopped and went broadside. Well, Mark, in that time, it ranged around a few spots in there, and he thought the bull was 45 yards. And he pulled back and shot for 50, and the bull was a little further than that. And he oh, man. missed, but a really nice bull. I got to see, I actually got to see the bull at that point, and I thought he nailed it. Mm. And, god that sucks man i i know because i know that feeling too it's like the yeah the the that pit in the stomach when you you know the arrow just doesn't hit its mark but yeah dude you're a good caller man i'm not kidding you like mark you talk to him he's pretty humble dude but the guy he practices at 100 yards like he's really good for those longer distance shots like i've seen him shoot and it's just like wow i can't do it i'm gonna like 30 yards my groups i don't know what it is i talked to a few different people i told them like once i get out to 30 yards man i'm i don't trust myself yeah i, I don't, don't either i i'm good to 40 man i'm good to 40 after that i don't i don't know that i'd take a, a shot if i thought it was 50 yards i i'd be yeah like it'd have to be wide open and no wind and yeah maybe maybe i would but i you know i am not you know, I'm not like Nate Davenport, who's been on the show that can like, you know, the dude is lethal with his bow. Um, yeah. I'm I'm not at that level because I'm not like a bow hunting or I'm not a, I'm not an archery enthusiast. I I I practice enough to be proficient and lethal as I need to be for hunting season, but I'm not like an archery hobbyist kind of guy. You know what I mean? And I've talked yeah. about this a million times on the show, but anyway. Well, no, like. Ed- that's probably more like me. I mean, I practice. I shoot. I, I don't even know. You can ask my wife. I've probably shot. I shoot every single day. Mm-hmm. And But I just, you know, I still don't have that confidence. I just, I use everything more as like, you know, as a tool. It's Yeah, that's how I am. I'm hunting. I'm not. I got to hunt with the bow. I got to hunt with the rifle. And this year I kind of made it. I was like, you know what? I want to. I want to go out and just kill everything with a bow. And now I'm starting to, well, I already told you about my whitetail plan. Get the brush I'm, gun out, dude. Sarge yeah. is waiting for you. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually excited, man. I, I, uh, I got my, I got my girls all sighted in on the seven MM 8 the other day. 
And oh, uh, we yeah. had a ball nailing, nailing targets with that there. Uh, Cause that's my, that's my biggest goal. Everybody is talking on this episode, you know, what's your, what's your big focus and everybody's got a focus. You're talking about shooting everything with a bow, which you've already done a bear and an elk with it, with your bow. I, I, I mean, like I, I feel like that's enough uh, to, to consider yourself a pretty wicked bow hunter. Um, but anyway, my, my goal this year is to get my girls a deer and possibly an elk. And, and that's, I'm that's excited like my focus. to see that. So I know you're gonna. I know I've seen what you got going on. You've been sharing with me, and we've been talking about it. I'm excited to see you make that happen with them. That'll be really cool. We'll see how it goes down, dude. So yeah. I want to I want to get you I want to get the story real quick. Uh, this episode's running super long, so I apologize, but uh, and I don't want to <laughs> keep you all night. But no, uh, you're fine, man. Give me, it's all good. Give me the scenario. Give me like the bird's eye view of it. I, I believe that that would have been what September first or was it August thirty first? I can't now. I can't. It was remember. August thirty first. August thirty first, um, and uh, you go out the day before you'd been in the same general vicinity that you killed a bear, mm-hmm. and like you you got you got the bear all packed out, and then you go back the next day for what? So I'll give you kind of the whole what went down, and that's why my whole my plans changed. Um, so opening morning, August 30th, I had my plan. I was going to go set a stand, and then I had an evening set planned. Stand for and, uh, whitetail, right? For whitetail hunting, yeah. Yeah. Um, I get to the first stand. Uh, I got there at... <coughs> I want to say 4.30 in the morning. I left the house at 3.30, so that will put me up there about 4.30. And uh, I'm sitting there. I had packed all my clothes separately in a tote, and so I planned enough time to get up there and get changed into my, my hunting clothes and uh, hike down in the woods. So I get out of the truck, and... Um, I'm messing around, doing some stuff, and just kind of listening. And I hear snap, crackle, pop up on the road right above me. Scared the hell out of me. And it's like, well, you know, thinking, what the hell is this thing right here? Uh Right next to me. And I hear, just right there on the side of the road. And I'm like, no way. It's a freaking episode. And I packed up. And you hadn't bugled or anything? No. I was just sitting there outside my truck and get my rubber boots on and i had my romeos and my rubber boots i was gonna <laughs> go whitetail hunting i told myself i'm going whitetail hunting this is my focus so i get my rubber boots on and stuff and this thing fires off probably 50 yards from me up on the hillside right above me I could hear the brush breaking and everything and i'm sitting there like man i need to go chase this bull uh, and then i sat there and listened he bugled again and I thought, no, just stick with the plan. Go down to your stand, hunt the day. Tomorrow, bring your elk gear. So I did that. I went down to the stand. I'm sitting in that stand, and there's a doe and a fawn that come up. You know, they came out and they hit this licking branch on the scrape I got. They're sitting there hitting the licking branch. Well, the whole time they're there, this bull's probably fired off another 15 or 20 times up on the hillside above me. And just, it's driving me nuts. Jeez. So about 10 o'clock comes around. This doe had left. 
it was about 10 o'clock and I climbed out of the stand and I hiked up the hill and the bull's still up there bugling on the hillside. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I'm just like, all on right. August 31st. On August 30th. Or 30th, I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is the 30th. And I get up to the truck. I get my calls out. Get my bow ready. I hike past my truck up onto the hillside, and I do a bugle, and it just goes silent. I was like, well, whatever. So I hike back down to the truck, and I drove out of there. As I'm driving out of there, this big six by six, which is the same bull Mark shot at and missed, same bull. He runs across the road right in front of me and down the hill. And I was like, all right, I got it. So I, I go up, there's a gate just past where I saw him run across the road. I park up on this gate and I hike this ridge out, fired a bugle off, and then he started talking again. And I chased him till about 11 30, 12. And then he finally quieted down. He didn't say anything. Yeah. So I thought, well, tomorrow I'm bringing my stuff and I'll be here in the morning. And if he's still in here, I'm going to, I'm going to go elk hunting. So I went and sat my other stand and on my way into that stand to go bear hunting or not bear hunting, sorry, deer hunting, deer hunting yeah. after thumper, I'm in the, on my way down that stand and, uh, heading down the trail, there's wolf tracks and in the trail. And I, and my heart sank a little bit. I was like, well, I don't think that buck's going to come into this scrape tonight just based off that, you know? Yeah. And I, so I, I was like, I'm going to still hunt it. So I go down there, get in the stand. I'm in there for about an hour or so. And I hear the brush starting to snap and pop. And I look down the hill and this bear comes walking up the hill. And didn't have cubs or anything, and thought, "Ding, that's a sweet looking bear." So it's like a like kind of a chocolate color bear, isn't it? Yeah, real chocolate and kind of a blonde. Yeah, a little bit of blonde on the top too. Just pretty bear. Good. I was happy, so I I drew back on it and let it fly, and the bear ran about ten yards, and it piled up about ten yards from my stand. I know, because when I got in your truck. When we hunted a few days later, I could smell bear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, so, so we get, my buddy Chris was up there and he, he actually, I had texted him and said I'd gotten a bear and he was heading up anyways to do some uh, bear baiting because that's when it opens for bear bait. So he was like, well, I'm going to go up there and fire the baits up. So he came in there and, he actually helped me pack that thing out, which was kind of cool. It was just, it made a let, nice light trip. Sure. So we got it out. And then the next day, well, I got to the house and I told my wife about all the elk, you know, just the whole day of hearing elk and everything. And I was like, I'm going up elk hunting. I'm bringing my elk stuff. Like, your, like your bugle. All that kind yeah, of stuff. I brought my bugle, but most importantly, I mean, I, I was up there with my rubber boots, my Irish setters, <laughs> you know, and that makes it tough hiking around. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even so, wear those when I'm whitetail hunting. You're crazy. Dude, I freaking love them. I just, if yeah. I can just take my time and hike into my stand real nice and slow, my feet don't sweat. It had the temp sense 
Irish setters. My wife just brought me a cocktail. I don't know if you ever tried those, but they're, I Thanks, mean, honey. they're pretty, they're pretty nice on the feet, especially in the, you know, a little bit warmer temperatures. Yeah. They actually, yeah, no, I, I hear don't you. don't sweat that bad. But anyway, so we, uh, so anyways, I packed my leather boots and my calls, everything, and headed back up the mountain the next morning, parked the same spot, did a locate bugle and heard a bull fire off about where I had left that six by six. And I thought, all right, well, that's what I'm doing. So I kind of went around and got in a better spot and bugled again. And he fired off about, I don't know, it was probably a hundred yards from where I was standing. And I hiked down this ridge because my thermals were coming the wrong direction. Sure for me to just jump in on him so i had to hike on the opposite side of the ridge and down that draw and then cross over where i thought i'd be below him got in the other draw and then started coming up the bottom of that one and i got to where i thought he was and i did a bugle and i heard him breaking brush and here he came and it was like he was 40 yards the first time facing me and he kind of buggered up a little bit and he just froze and I didn't have a good shot at him. So I just sat there quiet, just waited for him to turn and walk off. And then I walked up to where he was standing. Once he was gone, got on his track, kind of followed his track. And then I got below him a little bit and side hill around this next ridge into another draw. And I got in there. I found a spot where I thought, you know, like if I could call him in in this spot, it was like this would be a good spot to do it. And I did a bugle and he fired off. He, I want to say he cut me off, but he didn't. It was just really quick, a quick yeah, response. Real, real quick response thing. Yeah, and he kind of. I then I saw him come through the trees, and he's looking around, and he just kept coming. He's and I. I waited for him to get his head behind a tree. I drew back and he stopped again. And it felt like I was holding for like 15 minutes. It was probably like 40 seconds, but <laughs> it felt like I was holding forever. And he got completely broadside to me. And I shot one off at 25 yards and did a pass through, double lunged him. And he went 10 yards. A cow called really fast and stopped. And he looked down the hill. And he's standing there, and he just fell over. And <laughs> I was just like, wow. <laughs> when does that and happen? And you're still sore from packing the bear out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. I, I, You know, I, I know the whole thing went down, and then we, you and I went hunting a few days later, and but I, I haven't actually heard that story of, of actually how that went down. So. Uh, I didn't know you'd called him into 40 and then he kind of buggered off and you followed him and, and called him in again. Um, yeah. And the funny thing is too, like, I mean, before I got to him at, before he came in at 40 yards, I, he'd probably bugled like seven or eight times before I responded to him. And I waited till I was, thought I was in a good spot uh-huh. before I responded and I had good cover and I had the wind right. And that's like, if I guess if there's a takeaway from it, it's like, 
you know, you might get them to come in and it might not work out and they might booger. But if you just let them sit and give them a minute Mm -hmm. and then try to sneak in and get on, you know, sneak in, find another spot to where you think, okay, you know, I could do it here. Like, I don't know. You, you, There's a lot to be said for that. No, for sure. There's a lot to be said for that. Like the the bulls, I think a lot of hunters they they perceive the bull going quiet or not coming in as if they have been busted by the bull, and a yeah. lot of times that's that's not necessarily true. And I'll give you a great example. Uh, when I had a bull a couple of weeks ago that that I called in and and he got I don't know he's probably fifty yards or so and he buggered off. Uh, I don't know what happened, but I I know for a fact he didn't win me because I I you know I you've hunted with me you've seen me I'm anal retentive yeah. about the wind right I'm checking right. it constantly it's it's always a thing for me. Um, well, it's the most important thing. It like, is. It's the most important thing. So instead of instead of freaking out and and being like oh he saw me or oh he smelled me, whatever, I just sat there. I sat there for an hour. And then I got up, I walked 20 yards or so, and I bugled, and and he chimed off again. He was just on the other side of the ridge, and and that's what I think a lot of people don't understand is, it's not you know you got to understand these bulls when they're when they're kind of doing this whole deciding their pecking order within the herds and the and the, and who's who's the big dog on the block. Um, yeah. They're they're nervous about that. They don't want to get their ass kicked. You know, they're, no. they're nervous about it. So sometimes they just bugger for their own sheer self-protection. They're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go over there and get my ass whooped. Or I don't know if I want to risk it. Maybe I am bigger. Maybe I'm not. Yeah, You know, and it, it's not always even about that. Sometimes they're like my uh, 11-week-old golden retriever. They're just, you know, their attention span gets shifted. And he's like, oh, there's, exactly. some, nice, there's some nice grass over there. I'm going to go eat on it. Yeah, You know, and so... There's a lot to be said for just sitting down after after an encounter and uh, and just hanging out and just hanging out, waiting. You know, give it a couple hours. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I think that's that that definitely hits home, especially this year for me. I mean, yeah, if you just yeah, like with the attention span and everything, it's it's true. And that's something we noticed with several bulls this year is if we just sat and waited and changed your read up or changed how you were calling, like maybe that bull didn't like the way you called that first time. Maybe it was good enough to get him to come in and get him to be curious, but it wasn't like he was sold on it. Yeah. If you changed up your routine a little bit and then go in, maybe even wait. Mark and I, we waited 45 minutes on a bull one day. And we went 150 yards, and then, boom, he was right back in our lap again. And it was like the woods went from dead silent to 15 one after yeah. the other, you know? It, it, interestingly, Steve, how many times did you and I call each other in this season? Because we, we kind of <laughs> oh hunt the, the same neck Isn't of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I felt so bad, too. That's, no, no, no. That's yeah, you don't need to feel like, bad. The you area need... that we hunt. <laughs> that you hunt that you're used to hunting and the area that i'm used to hunting it's like we were they both connect. hitting the fringes of yeah where they, we they connect hunt. like we we know where those elk are right i mean and so it was funny man and you're a good caller uh but i have learned your bugle 
because we, I know you, said, you were you, my caller call that one day. I'm like, oh, that's Steve. That's totally Steve. Because, it, and, and I think that if it was a regular hunter up there, or, you know, I'm a regular hunter, somebody else that doesn't know you, you would call them to your toes. But, uh, but I, I, I know your bugle because you called for me all day one time. And so I, I know exactly how you sound. And you're a great caller. That's why all those bulls were responding. And so it was just funny. The two or three times or whatever I hit that that those couple of ridges in that area I don't want to say it on the on the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd hear you pipe off and I'd question. Eh, that might be Steve. Well, you every single then, time. Oh, yeah, that's it Steve. happened. <laughs> like, are you up there? Yeah. And I was like, God. that's got to be you. And I'd, then I'd feel bad because it's like. I know you have I this thing where you always feel bad. They're trying to, you know, make something happen for a buddy or something. You know, we just rush in there, we get a bugle, and we go. Oh god, you always have this thing where you feel bad about it, dude. It, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. <laughs> There's no reason to feel bad. We, I just, you know, we, we kind of, I feel like we've all, uh, you and I have been uh, hunting together, not knowing it for a long time because of that area. Uh, yeah, is is the biggest thing. So. Uh, and it's, it's a, a cool it's a area. area. No, mean, it's a great area. Well, the whole, I mean, everywhere around where we hunt, it's just, it's yeah. cool. But the, I guess the biggest thing for me, like the biggest thrill out of that whole area for me is just like how big it is and how, you know, it's just, I don't know. Dude, that it is big, but it's small at the same time. And there's a lot of overlooked stuff in it. It's cool. That wallow in the bottom of that one draw. And I think, you know, where I'm talking about. Yeah, dude, I've got it. I'm actually, there's four wallows in that draw. Well, it's the lower one. I, I know, I know there's four of them. Well, actually I know, I know of three of them. I only know of three of them, but it's the lower one. And it's a big one. It's like a hundred it, it, year old a, wallow. Yeah, it's it's a big old <laughs> deep nasty wallow, and there is a big old nasty growler bowl on that son of a bitch, and he's smart as all get out. Like he, <laughs> I, I was explaining it to uh, somebody else on this episode that you know when you hear a bowl and and when they they bugle they, they it it sounds more like a lion that you you see on like a National Geographic channel. Yeah. Where it's like this, you know, at the end, that's, mm-hmm. that's this bull man. And he's smart. He's smart as, as, as fuck, man. I pardon my French, <laughs> but he is, he is smart as fuck. And, and yeah. like he, he knows when to hit that wallow and he freaking plays that wind just perfect. There is no getting one up on this guy. And it's so steep on both sides. Anyway, I ran into him a few times. Uh, and, and one of them I want to get good at hunting. Like those are the ones yeah. that like, how do know? we get those guys? Like, you know, I only heard him and I heard him two or three times. I only heard, I've never seen him, but he's gotta be, I like, I picture him as this big, just nasty six by seven drop tying on one side, you know, just mean as all get out. Uh, yeah. probably part saber tooth tiger. And and he's just he's just huge. I you could just feel it when they bugle and they're just huge. You know how do you hunt those? How do you get that kind of bull? Man, see like I've been thinking about that and I've been bouncing off my my buddy Mark. I um 
he like I don't know. I'm at the conclusion where it's like I think you get a locate bugle on him, you try your damnedest to pinpoint that spot where he's at, and then play the wind, get in there tight, and just sit. Yeah. You know, I don't know because we had a couple bulls like that too. It was like you get them riled up and you get them, but they just sound gnarly. He see this one. He moves, man. Like it it was. He knew when those thermals were going to change because I positioned myself perfectly in the late afternoon, and he's down there. And it was the time that you were up above bugling, and I texted you later, "Hey, were you over here?" And you were, right? So I followed his ass all the way down this drainage. And we'd been bugling back and forth for an hour or so. And I followed him down. And what he did is he got in the bottom. And he's like, okay. He knows that that the the thermals are going up. There's there's no prevailing wind this day. It's, It's perfectly still. So there's just thermals. He knew like the exact moment those thermals were going to shift. And he drew me into that. And so I I go down, I'm going down, going down, the thermals are in my face, wind is good, I know know where he's at, Uh, and he's just got this lion roar, and he gets down there, and he just hangs, and he sits, and he makes me stop, and that sun drops behind that mountain, and those thermals shift almost like 10 minutes after that, and he busts me, and he's out of there. Like, he knew he was doing that to me. He was drawing me down to this spot so that he could smell me. Because I, he knew I had the upper hand initially, but he knew yeah. how to get the upper hand on me. It was it was the craziest damn thing. I know he's big, man. So I got a kind of a cool story from this year. If you got time for it, yeah, man, go um, ahead. Um, it's kind of along those same lines with the bull doing similar things, and this bull called us into a spot where you and I had originally hunted, mm-hmm. and um, make sure you're you're holding your phone right, man. You keep kind of cutting out there. I know. I have a, I always have a problem with the microphone, Jim. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. And you know I'm deaf, man. Yeah. So, um, we it, it was a spot. It's it's uh, you'll know it if I sent you the waypoint. You'd be like, oh, okay, because every single sure. time we were in the same drainage, uh there'd always be a bull on this spot. And I know we had one going in the same spot when me and you hunted in there. That, and I think it's that the one that shut one? up. On us. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When the raghorn busted us. Yep. Yep. But we got in there and he would bugle, bugle, bugle until we got close. And the way that we started figuring this out, that thermal in that little spot, it was almost like you're in a bowl. And I've heard different people talk about this when the winds, when the, how a thermal works in a bowl, you get on an elevation, you get on a certain elevation and that thermal will basically, it's like a whirlpool. Yeah. And it's pulling your, your scent out and around like a circle, basically. It's like a a tornado. You remember the cartoons where they had like the whirlpool in the ocean? They would suck mm-hmm. things down into it. It's kind of like that. And it's from one side being super shaded and one side being super sunny. It creates yeah. almost like this, like you said, a tornado. Like a vortex. Yes. And it creates a circular motion of wind. 
And if a bull's in there, there's almost nothing you could, you could do about it. He's going to smell you. No, you can't hunt him. And that was the thing. And I finally noticed it. I think it was the third time we tried in on this bull this year. Mm-hmm. The third the third crack at him. And I finally started putting two and two together and looking at my onyx and looking at the waypoint. And I was like, every time we hit this certain elevation, that bull shuts up and we never hear him again. Mm. And he's doing exactly that. We That wind, the way that that thermal, like you said, with the sun and the shade and everything, and the yeah. way it was vortexing around in there, that bull, as soon as we hit that elevation, it didn't matter if we were on the opposite side from him or not. As soon as we hit that elevation, done. Quiet. It's crazy, man. It's and crazy. I, it, These are the things, too. Like yeah, there, and that's something that I've always overlooked until now. But yeah. Be, the, the the biggest thing that I've had with fighting against that is is like there's other geographical type uh, types of terrain where where that's not going to be as a, an issue like it is in that kind of super dark, super steep, coniferous kind of forest like we have here in North Idaho. Like like if I I'll give you a great example. If I'm hunting in Utah or Colorado or Wyoming even in in a lot of areas, that that scenario is not going to be as dramatic as it is in like North Idaho or coastal Washington or coastal Oregon, right? Exactly. Like, like it's this it's this weird vortex of wind. And 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 I'm glad you brought that up actually. We we could do a whole podcast of just that. I we're running long though. We we probably better wrap this <laughs> up, dude. <laughs> no, I get it, man. No, it's just it's cool to share it like it's cool that you can bounce that stuff off each other and yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. Right, especially areas that we share. So it's cool. It was, just, I got, I got a great way. I got a great way to wrap this episode up, man. Are you ready mm-hmm. for this? Are, are you sitting yeah. down? I can sit down here. Hold on. No, I'm yeah, kidding. Right. I don't care if you're sitting down. <laughs> explain, uh, explain what idle life is and explain your podcast to folks. Oh, so yeah. So that's a great, Jim has kind of inspired me through his podcast. Don't blame podcast. it on me. I mean, no, on. I do solely because you're <laughs> the guy that's kind of helped me along through this. And you're like, giving me tips and pointers. And uh, your podcast is the first podcast I ever listened to. And oh, cool. I, I didn't know loved, that. No, seriously. It was, it's the first one. You and Troy Pottinger. That was the first episode I ever listened to actually with Jess and Ty. So, yeah, Troy, Jess, and Ty. Oh, yeah. Yep, that was Ooh. the first one I listened to, and ever since, I've been an addict, and I'm like, man, I just got to get on this boat. I got to do this, and so I started a podcast, and mine's going to be – I've got a lot of fishing in it, um, mm-hmm. I love rainbow fishing on the lake. But um, And you're kind of good at it. You and your wife are both really good at it. <laughs> so, yeah, we're like – thank you for that, but – uh, I just want to, I like sharing and I like the information. I like meeting new people and learning new things. And I want to add to that, to that space. And so hopefully, you know, with time, I'll get a little better at it, but yeah, I've got, uh, I think I've got three episodes out. I'm going to do, I'm going to try to record one this week. And then I got a couple of good ones, I think coming up here next week. Just kind of a mix up. Good I really deal. want to get into some whitetail hunting, and uh, and when, when we talk about, when, I want to I want to explain that real quick, Steve. When we when you and I talk about 
whitetail hunting. We, we yeah. this is a different ball game. Think about Troy Pottinger and the way he hunts these mountain whitetails on public land. It's totally different than what you hear on there. There's a thousand whitetail podcasts out there, right? But, right. but these are guys that are hunting like Texas or the Midwest or, or the East. Um, and, and there's nothing, I, I don't want anybody to take that wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just different than, than the West hunting whitetails in the yeah. mountain West and in the inner mountain West. It's a different ball game. And so, and, so that's kind of yeah. what, like what, what you're talking about, these public land mountain whitetail bucks, the 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 nature of of the terrain that they live in and their behavioral uh you know you know norms are way different than what what you normally hear on a podcast yeah and that's something i really want to dive into deep is uh hunting mountain whitetails and i've got a couple really good guests that said that they would come on and they're guys that i look up to in the whitetail world for sure um you need to get Troy on. I've did Troy's one. Troy said, "Get a okay. couple under your belt." No, come on, but <laughs> well, let me let me know. I'll 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 call Troy. For I want to do a, I want to do a round table with you, me, and Troy. That that'd be I'm down. So, I'm down, I, man. You know me. I'm down for going on anything. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> but I got to get you on my podcast too. I'd like to have you as a guest. Well, let's do it, man. Uh, let's for, let's jump on next week or something. Yeah, let's do it. What's your podcast called? Idle Life. And where can it be found? It's uh, on Anchor, Spotify, and it says anywhere podcasts are found. I. So can I find it on oh. Apple and, and all those, Podbean? So I put it out to a, a server that's supposed to put, you know, it's supposed to put that podcast out to all those. And yeah. how, how do you spell Ida Life? So Idaho it's Life is. It's different life, so it's. I-D-A, like Idaho, but mm-hmm. I-D-A, and then L-Y-F-E. L-Y-F-E. Okay. I'm going to put that in the show notes. And we um, got a... So. Uh, cool. There's a Facebook page, Idol Life Facebook. Dude, it's new, guys. It's nothing cool. It's not like the Western Huntsman at all. <laughs> oh, come so, on now. No, it's not, it's not to your level at all yet, but... It's just nobody come. No, listen, nobody comes down to my level there, Steve. You got to remember that one day I'll come up to your level, except for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome, guys. Check out Idol Life podcast. Um, Steve, it, you know, I, I'm not tooting his horn because he's just on the show, but he's a legitimate outdoorsman. Like this is this is a legitimate <laughs> outdoorsman we got on the show. Um, and, and I knew it before I had him on the show and I knew it before I went hunting with him, but both those things solicit or solidified those for me, um, with, with, with Steve and, and Steve's just a, he's just a great, all the, the thing with Steve is there's not just one thing he's good at. He's all around a great outdoorsman, whether we're talking about fishing for giant can loops in uh you know giant rainbow trout in the pond array lake uh, uh, north idaho or we're talking about elk hunting we're talking about bear hunting or whitetail hunting or mule deer hunting whatever so anyway steve i, I am two Thank and you. a half hours into this so i gotta i gotta call it a, a wrap yeah. here um the, i think this is one of the record longest podcasts we've we've ever recorded but i, I think a, people are gonna get a lot out of it to dude. hear it man i did you get try on no, not yet. I, I'm working on Troy. Uh, I know he's uh, he's busy. Uh, I haven't talked to him actually in a while, but I'll, I'll get him on. 
And it, actually, what the heck? let's. I was hoping to hear let's, the full story. <laughs> let, let's get. I, I haven't gotten him on for that. He he likes to come on to talk whitetail. His, yep. uh, yeah. Yeah. You know he's he's like he's like one of those dudes that's so proficient at hunting that killing a bull elk is like oh yeah no I got the bull anyway it's on to whitetail season yeah you know that like that's yeah. the <laughs> it's like a small thing for him so um. We'll we'll get him on, and uh, if if uh, we we it'd be cool to get you, him, and I on on one podcast and just kind of start uh, throwing the banner around. I think that'd be a good show. Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, well, man, you got cool. some sleep. You have a good night. Yeah, you thanks too, buddy. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming thanks on. For all the kind words and thanks for listening guys i appreciate it too <laughs> and uh and congrats on the bull and the bear so far i can't wait to see how your whitetail season comes on uh comes along guys check out idle life uh the podcast uh i'm not sure you probably don't have a website yet or or i've got a facebook page i don't i have a website okay no. but, uh, i and, need to get and the Jim facebook from page the western huntsman over here to give uh, me some pointers <laughs> give me a shot dude I'll, I'll swing by next week we'll uh we'll jump on and record something brother all right, sounds good, man. All right, buddy, have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. All right, you too. We'll see you. All right, bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys, I hope you uh, you got something out of this episode. Um, that was a lot of fun having all those guys on. I know this went super long. Two hours, 32 minutes is what we're at right now. Uh, one of the longer ones, I try to keep them about an hour, hour and a half, but uh, there, there's a lot of good information in this in this show, so... Uh, again, as we close this out, guys, if you don't mind, if you like the show, please, please jump on either iTunes or Podbean and write us a good review. It goes a long way for our mission and our show and all that kind of thing, or all that kind of stuff, uh, if you will. Um, I'd really appreciate it. And also check out the sponsors that uh, make this show possible. Screegear.com, HoffmanBoots.com, PhelpsGameCalls.com, and go to the Western Huntsman forward slash gear to check out the Tacticam products. Uh, it's all here for you. I appreciate you guys tuning in. If you are still listening to this, you are uh, one hell of a listener. I appreciate it. And, uh, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. made it all the way to the end thank you so much for tuning into the show we sure appreciate your support this is jim huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at instagram at the western huntsman and on facebook at the western huntsman and you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com thanks again we'll see you guys next time stay western and i'll see you on the mountain